0: Charles Foster
1: King. Hey, Stella! Suck on
2: this. Spider-Man and his amazing friends,
1: Iceman and Firestar. Amazing
2: friend. What is going on, everybody? This is Wrong Real, episode 469, podcast for hardcore cinephiles. We tackle everything from Jean Luc Godard to Jean Luc Picard, and today we're going to be tackling Spider Man Far From Home with two of the biggest comic book nerds I know, Mr. Adam Rakoff and John Holderreed. But uh, John, it's been about a year since you were last on Wrong Reel, so big s- hearty welcome s- to you, sir.
0: Always right? a pleasure.
2: You have a, a few years on me, and I've got a few years on Adam, but you've been reading comics for most of that. How would you characterize your relationship with Marvel Comics and Spidey, irrespective of the movies, etc.?
0: I, I got sucked. I started with Fantastic Four and Star Wars comics. This was right after... Like late 70s? Empire, no, right after Empire Strikes Back. Gotcha. I went back and bought the old Star Wars back to the beginning, but I started right about after Empire Strikes Back, so 81, and then Secret Wars just... Looped me into. I the got whole, my trade paper on the wall, the right whole there. whole yeah. Marvel universe, yeah. and I'm like, oh wow, it's all connected, man. And like <laughs> all all the characters. I was a I was a Fantastic Four fan, and and that was the that was the uh, the drug that the, the the gateway drug. To the rest of the Marvel Universe. It was universe. the John Byrne era. its a good era. It was the John Byrne era, yeah.
2: Yeah, it's a great era. I mean, if they can even come capture 10% of the John Byrne era and put it on the screen now that the Fantasy Four are back at uh, Disney, that would make me a very happy guy. But for people who don't know from your previous appearances, you also work with animator Bill Plimpton. And you just mentioned it's been 25 years that you producer and studio manager?
0: 25 years, yes. How? I mean, like, what, <laughs> what is your
2: secret? <laughs>
0: <laughs> um Uh, You've seen The Human Centipede, right? Um, No, no, no. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> it's uh, it you know it's, it's we 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 fight like cats and cats sometimes, but you know it has to be done. And and
2: uh. I'm just looking forward to your tell-all tales from the trenches biography one day when when Bill has moved on to animation heaven and he's hanging out with Bob Clampin and Tex Avery and all these guys and telling dirty jokes and that sort of thing that you can finally put pen to paper and tell us the true story of working with yeah. the great Bill. Yeah, uh, it's, it's
0: it's like. Every creative person needs a guy, the guy working for him, like the worker documentary, which I haven't seen yet, but it's on my list.
2: Leon Vital.
0: Everybody creative in the industry needs a practical person who's... Doing the things can grease the wheels exactly. So,
2: well, speaking of greasing the wheels, Adam <laughs> has become your official nickname on Twitter. People seem to really like that 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 nomenclature for you. But well, how have you been? I guess you. This is uh, two wrong real episodes in a row. I think it's the first time you've been on back to back wrong real episodes.
1: Oh yeah, I did. Yeah, we did Star Trek three. Um, I guess there was no episode, or there won't be a one in between, right? No sir, <laughs> I'm going to edit
2: the sucker either tonight or tomorrow morning. And yes, yeah, so this is back to back Adam Rakoff appearances.
1: Yeah. Well, I, yeah, that was a great episode. I had a lot of fun talking about that. And uh, yeah, it's uh, summer is in full swing here. Um, just keeping busy. In the, I'm still in the middle. If you listen to the Structure 3 campaign, I'm still in the middle of the Modine campaign for SAG after president. Uh, voting begins at the end of July. So we're, we're getting close to the actual voting period, but that runs for about a month. So unlike political elections where you have one day. Gotcha. Actors get like thirty days. Well I'll ask the same <laughs> As question to now. you
2: that I asked to John. How would you yeah. characterize your relationship with Marvel Comics again totally independent from the MCU phenomenon?
1: Yeah, I mean I, I begin. It, it's funny because my first love was Spider Man. He was my first character in the sort of late eighties that I I began reading. The McFarlane it era was, yeah, when he, was in, uh, when he was wearing the black costume was actually when I entered the the series, uh, like in the 270s around there, something like that, and right on through to the famous Todd McFarlane era from 298 through 328, I believe, and uh, then Eric Larson, of course, and then they all went off and did image comics. So that's kind of, that's how I entered the comic world uh, was with Spider-Man. I love I loved the character, I love the the artwork back then
2: How many uh, variant covers did you have of the Great Spider-Man <laughs> 1 that Todd McFarlane did because well, like for people who don't know in the late 80s early 90s collector boom you would have these like platinum covers and gold covers and silver colors covers yep. and when Todd McFarlane launched Spider-Man 1 which I think of the storyline just called Torment where you fought the Lizard yep. that I think that sold like 2 or 3 million copies that that issue alone and it people were collecting the, all the yeah. different different copies
1: Yeah it was the best selling individual comic at that time of all time And uh, it, uh, yeah, I think there were five different covers, and there was the newsstand edition, the gold version, the silver, and they were all bagged. That was another thing. They were poly bagged. So all of us collectors were filled with our own torment of whether or not to break the deal off the in there like <laughs> I got the
2: Superman I got I got the the black bag one yeah. as well yeah. as just one to read so yeah I, but, but I I would occasionally indulge in variants but at age 14 you didn't really have the budget to buy a whole bunch of variant covers you just tended just to grab whatever you could get your hands on yeah
1: yeah but I to answer your question I have all of the covers nice <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. excellent including. The silver bagged edition, which has no price on it. There's a, a, a rare version that had no, um, it, no. I think it was 175. I believe was the cover price of that issue. But this one had no. I don't know if it was an error or just a special. I forget exactly the 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 reason why. But it was. I think that's the rarest of the original uh, run. Spider Man
2: number one. Yeah, so. it, it drives me crazy that they still haven't gotten the lizard right on the screen. He's one of the all time great villains. He goes back to the early 60s, and that amazing Spider Man yeah. movie with Andrew Garfield was just an embarrassment for everyone associated with it. But things have turned around quite a bit for Spidey recently. Uh, in the first 10 days of Far From Home being out, he's got a worldwide box office of 600 million, opened in America at 185. And Becky who works in international promotions at Sony, or third-party promotions, she sent us this link earlier, and just we want to boast and brag about Becky Deanna, who's a frequent Wrong Reel contributor, that Spider-Man Far From Home shatters industry records with $288 promo campaign. So congrats to Becky Deanna and all the fine people at Sony for a job well done. I'm sure they have been uh, slapping each other on the backs very vigorously all throughout (laughs) the day, but it's a total fun... I I think now Spider-Man might be bigger than ever which is insane to say because this is a character who's been around since the early 60s but john we'll start with you you just got out of the movie like five seconds ago as someone who's been reading spider-man since 1981 thereabouts yeah what are your initial thoughts on spider-man far from home the spider-man far from home trailer is about to play but if you haven't seen avengers Endgame yet stop watching because there's some serious spoilers about to come up but if you have seen avengers Endgame, enjoy the trailer Everywhere I go, I see his face. I just really miss him.
0: Yeah, I miss him too. I don't think Tony would have done what he did if he didn't know that you were going to be here after he was gone. <laughs> <laughs> You gonna be the next Iron Man now? Well, no, I don't have time. I'm too busy doing your jobs.
1: What? I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Look, keep up the good work, because I am going on vacation.
0: (laughs) Heads up, Nick Fury's calling you. I don't really wanna talk to Nick Fury. Why? Because if you don't talk to
1: him, then I have to talk to him. I don't wanna talk to him. You sent Nick Fury to voicemail? I gotta go. You do not ghost Nick Fury. What up, dorks? What's up? We're just talking about the trip. I'm here in St. Marco Polo's. Oh, I think MJ really likes me. That reminds me when I first fell alone.
0: You're a very difficult person to contact,
1: Spider Man. This is Mr. Beck. We could have used someone like you on my world. New world? Beck is from Earth,
0: just not ours. A snap to our hole in our dimension. You're saying there's a multiverse?
1: We have a job to do,
0: and you're coming with us. My initial thought was there's a lot of smart stuff in there. It's very smart to tie to use this as an Avengers Endgame epilogue. Um, Adam and I saw Endgame together, and maybe the first thing we said to each other afterwards it was a reaction to the Spider-Man scene where he comes back to high school and Ned is there. And we had sort of the same thought, which was like, Ned, wait, I how do. is yeah. how is Ned there? Yeah. <laughs> because um, Spider-Man's been gone for five years. Why is Ned still in high school? And I think you said that, Adam. And I said, yeah. well, it makes sense if Ned blipped too. If Ned disappeared too. Oh, okay. It's like the first thing we thought of, yeah, Adam and me, which is like, how is this? How is... How is how was Spider-Man's story going to move forward if he was gone for five years and Ned was gone for five and everybody in his life was non-existent for five years? How do you come back? And now we find out you've you got to do high school all
1: over again. You've got to do, oh. <laughs>
2: your little brother's now your older brother. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we, we basically no.
1: said that they're going to have to have every major character of Spider-Man disappear, be a right. part of the clip, in order for it to work. Well, everyone had a 50-50 yeah.
0: chance of disappearing, right. so it's like, so, <laughs> for everybody little- in your circle to disappear, the odds against that are astronomical. Including AMA, I
2: mean, pretty much everybody, Nick Fury, it's, it's, it's so on, it's, the list goes on and on. But, yeah, everyone but it's is smart super-
0: because it's like, we're going to deal with this here. Yeah, We didn't. We dealt with this a little bit in Endgame. We didn't really have time to get into what it means to be gone or, or, inf-
2: or what it means to be... And it would have been infuriating if they'd done a prequel movie that had taken place just after Homecoming but before Infinity War and Endgame. That would have driven me yeah. crazy. But a lot of people were hypothesizing about that months in advance. Oh, it's just going to be its own little standalone thing. I was like, that sounds so fucking boring. So I 100% agree that having it be an epilogue to Endgame was... Uh, and- Smart strategic choice. Endgame,
0: they did a little bit of like the survivor's guilt where people who didn't disappear, they feel terrible, they miss that person, they can't move on with their lives. Humanity is like stuck in this grief pool or whatever. Okay, (laughs) you're bringing the room down now. But this is smart to say, what does this mean? And this keeps Spider-Man in high school because that's what the writers think that they know. They think they know and they think they understand high school. Okay. We're, we're, Even though
2: Spider Man in the comics got to do college and go on to be like you know, get married, et cetera. Get ma- well, no, yeah. that didn't happen. That got re- well, they, like, okay. twenty years later. But from yeah, yeah, like yeah. the early sixties through like the early two thousands though, Spider Man aged and he grew up. Yeah. He had jobs, et cetera. Right, and, right. and at some point Tom Holland is going to be no longer baby faced and they will have to allow or they'll have to recast him. He's only got one more movie left in his contract, but Tom Holland's twenty three, still in high school.
0: Well see you also see a little bit in this movie of the storylines of um like Parker Industries, what they did in the comic books, where when the Fantastic Four were gone uh, and uh, Peter Parker had a tech company and he moved into the Baxter building and stuff like that. This movie recreates a little bit of that, but with Stark technology. Like he's, he's, he's being folded into the Stark industries rather than the his own tech company but that's all right it's still it's like a shout out it feels true to the character it's a shout out to the last few years of spider-man yeah the the problem is now that you've got adults who are writing high school stories and adults have forgotten what it means to be in high school for example although stanley was in his
2: 40s when he was writing the high school stories no uh, stanley stanley
0: was like we're gonna make this character and he's gonna be a dweeb he's going to be terrible with girls he's going to be anxious and nervous socially because that fear is in everybody to some degree and I get that
1: But yeah, and you and don't, John Hughes was writing all those kids move, teenage that, comedies in the 80s true so,
0: but yeah. I have problems when high school kids take summer vacation together because that's not a thing that high school kids do high school kids could go on a science trip during the class year but summer, I don't see, I don't get it. It's, I, I did it's, summer
2: school in Spain with a bunch of
0: kids. Summer school, yeah. sure. If you did an exchange program, but it, this was like, we're going to yeah. do a class trip in the summer, and that doesn't make sense. They didn't, they didn't call it, a, 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 they, one time they called it a science tour. But they didn't call it an exchange trip. I went on an exchange trip to Germany. Yeah. I knew what happened.
2: I I didn't even think about that at the time. But it is weird. They you, are just you they're just traveling together.
0: You can't. <laughs> <laughs> right. You, you, I mean, they're supposed to be having summer jobs. They're supposed to be working in fast food restaurants and stuff. Yeah. You, you fundamentally, you don't take a class trip in the middle of summer because that's not a class trip. And he called it was it was variably called a vacation, a science tour, and 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 you know that's it. What are we writing here? This that's just shoddy, shoddy. It's very lazy. It unless wasn't the,
1: they're unless they're in a one of uh, they're in like a special school where they go 365 days a year, magnet school so or something. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And this is just an actual sort of that's possible. But from see school. now, I think yeah.
0: we're writing this. That we're that's doing for, the screenwriter's for job for them because <laughs> right. I guarantee you, we just now have discussed this more than the screenwriters ever did on this film.
2: I think that's fair. Okay. okay. Well what did you think about the story though? Like and the the emotions. Like apart from the, the If I could get over the hump of get over we're that hump. taking a class trip or it, It's kinda of two movies. You got the movie where Spider Man thinks he's found the successor to Iron Man's legacy. Yeah. And then you got the movie where he realizes, Oh, I'm actually going up against my latest supervillain.
0: Uh, it, it, it it it's it's a it's a little bit of a detriment if you are knowledgeable about the Spider-Man universe, And plenty
2: of retards you, out there had no idea Mysterio is a bad guy.
0: I, I saw a lot of people yeah. <laughs> in in. I just came from the movies. I saw a lot of people who were surprised by Mysterio's turn, and I'm yeah. like, "Have you never read a Spider-Man comic? You don't know." I I was. No, we're in the minority. Like
2: I think two percent of the audience has actually read comics.
0: I spent an hour waiting for that shooter the other shooter yeah. drop. You know the 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 whole thing about. The only clever thing about that to me was the Quentin Beck referencing the multiverse, because this comes like three months after I watched Into the Spider Verse. It was the right time to maybe introduce that because that's fresh in the audience's and head. And people totally
2: bought that online as well and we got just, mad at me when I because in my trailer reaction I was like, "Oh, he's a master of deception. Of course, it's a it's a pump fake." People are like, "You don't even know what the multiverse is." I was like, "Wait." First of all, I've been reading comics for decades, since before you were born, I'm well aware of the multiverse, I love the multiverse, but I'm just not buying it
1: here. Right, right. I I remember that, James, I remember your review, you're like, I'm not buying this (laughs) I'm calling bullshit or something. Yeah, like and people that. got
2: like really mad at me. Yeah. I think they got so excited about the idea of the multiverse. I'm like, all right, bring on the multiverse, bring on the Squadron Supreme, bring on all this. Bring lines. on Spider Pig. Yeah, yeah, um... yeah, I'm like, bring it on. I'm, I'm, I'm all in on the multiverse. <laughs> but if a villain known for illusion says anything, you should probably be skeptical, right?
1: And and not only that, if if they're going to tell you that in the trailer. There's something a little off. They're not going to give away such a major plot element yeah. in the trailer unless there's some twist to that. I you know?
0: I went radio silent obviously for a month or two before this came out. I wanted to go in with as little knowledge. Even the trailer would come on when I was seeing something else, and I would like I don't want to see it. I don't want, I want to you know. No, but 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 the the flashes that I did see were like the water creature yeah basically actually uh, i thought hydroman yeah and yeah. then the, the a nod the to hydroman the earth creature sandman. and i thought sandman yep. and i'm like oh there's a good idea there somewhere
2: early under- 80s when they splooshed together and became this giant mud monster i, I love that issue no
0: i was thinking <laughs> you know um um the uh there was a mini series called the deadly foes of spider-man okay there was another one called the lethal foes of spider-man i'm like you could work with this, you could do the elemental foes of Spider-Man. Gotcha. And you could have Spider-Man face up... Uh, yeah, because the Magma was supposed to be like a, a nod to Molten Man. Molten Man, and- Sandman hydroman you just need an air you character, need an air character you cyclone can make that up, yeah. or, or or a new character even yeah um, that's a good idea for a
2: miniseries right so there are you're, you're writing a better screenplay again <laughs>
0: <laughs> and but no i i i would see this i would buy this on the shelf if it said the elemental foes of spider-man and he fights these four elemental creatures and then in the last issue you find out mysterio's behind it all see but uh, it's
2: almost like the sinister six but it's
0: the elemental four that's a that's a Good
2: idea. I 100 percent agree. All right, well, Adam, what were your initial thoughts and impressions on Spider-Man: Far From Home? Just as a you know, an emotional experience, as a story.
1: Yeah, I I, I went in and I have to just say it, from the opening scene, I was cracking up. I was loving it. I just had a blast. It, I thought it was one of the funniest and also most fun sort of summer blockbusters I've seen in a long time. But I also feel like that's because the audience I was with that's was great. just loving it and it was such a diverse audience all different ages you know everyone was just so so into it no one was looking at their phones and that's a sign in my opinion that people are really engaged by what they're seeing that there's no downtime for them to be like oh what's going on on, you know my instagram it's like they were really completely immersed in the experience of watching this film and they were loving it and i was too i I just, I mean, from that little <laughs> that little video that they play in the opening, you know, to uh, to sort of uh, tr- a tribute to Tony Stark, you know, I was just like with the horrible low res graphics and yeah. and and the Getty Images watermark, I was like dying. I was like, this is amazing right off the right out of the gate. So I had a blast with the comedy elements of it. I thought were just terrific, and uh, and you know, certainly like in any superhero film. There's going to be a lot of retread of material that's been done in the past. There's just, that's inevitable. You're going to have fight scenes and you're going to see Spider Man jump around and save people. And that's, you know, you can't get away from that. But I felt like in many ways, the, The the non-action scenes were what I was most enjoying. The stuff
2: like me and Betty, like texting, "I miss you, I miss you more." Blah blah blah.
1: Yeah, or the teachers I thought were really, really great and really funny, and uh, that were chaperoning the tour. Um, Just there were so many funny moments just in between the action that I felt, in some ways, I I I was drawn to more than the action itself. But uh, yeah, I thought it was terrific. Uh, I also just wanted to say because Becky, our friend Becky, wanted me to to uh, s- say what I told her, which is that this film, I feel like I have been seeing it everywhere for months. And she's obviously in uh, worked at Sony Marketing, so that's part of her job is to get the word out about movies like this. And uh, I-, I mentioned to her at one point that it hasn't been since maybe Star Wars Episode One, The Phantom Menace, in nineteen ninety nine, where I felt such a widespread presence for a movie uh all around me, whether it's at fast food restaurants, on Doritos, you no know, toys, you know, you know, whatever it might be. It's just been everywhere in New York, but in a very sort of organic way. It felt fun. It felt like, oh, there's Spider Man on a, a United Airlines. Also he's or, our you know, hero. He's
2: New York's yeah, superhero. Right. So it works it makes in sense. New York.
1: It makes sense. And they did a good job, I think, in New York. Uh, tying the the character into the various brands that that they've been partnering with. So I just think they did a, a great job marketing this film and it uh, also I just I I share this with both of you earlier but it's it's now the it now has Spider-Man Far From Home now has the highest audience rating of any Spider-Man film and any MCU movie uh, to this to this date. Wow. So the audience score is off the charts i mean forget the critic score what really matters ultimately is the audience i I, more
2: and more i rely on audience score over critic score uh, whether it's metacritic or rotten tomatoes but there's something different about spider-man that really pushes people's buttons because i can remember watching endgame when he came back at the end and everybody's getting all excited when they see star lord when they see drax and like yeah yeah and they see cheer when they saw black panther but when spider-man swung in a frame the walls were shaking. People were like, yeah. Whoa! Like people were <laughs> roaring, roaring like they were at a gladiatorial like arena, like Coliseum like <laughs> battle. I was like, "God damn!" People really fucking like Spider-Man. There's something about the look, his personality, his charm. It just works for anyone and everyone around the world. And right, I think yes, Spider-Man in terms of visibility right now is reaching this like this like crazy, almost like saturation point. Between that the Sony game last year, which took off into the Spider-Verse which was fantastic and obviously being in two Avengers movies and two solo movies over the last couple years as well as Civil War Spider-Man is just he's really popping right now
1: and I think it has a lot to do with Tom Holland's casting he really they, they you know sometimes casting is everything and if you don't get the casting right the movie just isn't good you know they can try their best to direct the actor and make the like actor George work, Clooney as
2: Batman yeah that's <laughs> Val Kilmer as Batman yeah
1: <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger as Mr. Freeze hey everybody chill
2: <laughs>
1: hey what's good of the dinosaurs the ice age exactly <laughs> god every line he has is a pun on being cold. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's very clever. <laughs> very subtle. Yeah. A lot of nuance there. Those, those, those writers you, really. You'd think had a-
0: he would run out at some point of, <laughs> of, of the cold joke. Of his
2: quips. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but Adam, I think you're 100% right. Tom Holland is just a classic example of pitch perfect casting. People just fucking adore him. And he's so young, if he wishes to. He could play this for another fucking decade. He, he
0: looks 16. Like Tobey Maguire looked 27, you yeah, know? Yeah. Uh, and Andrew Garfield somehow looked older, even. Yeah, he looked like 35. 35. Yeah. I'm like, why is Spider Man? Yeah. Okay, Spider Man's 35. No? He's supposed to be 18, too? Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah.
2: Um,
1: yeah. Well, and they cast him at the right age, meaning, you know when they cast him, which was what? Five six years ago, yeah, for about now,
2: lore, which was 2016 when it came out. So he got shot in 2014,
1: 14, 15. Yeah. So he and they probably cast him in 2013, 14. So it, he was he was the right age when they cast him, and he's thankfully not aged too much in the subsequent five years since he was cast. So I think that's that's important. He blitzed. Like, he went through the blip. Yeah, he did exactly. Whereas like Andrew Garfield might have been okay like at the end of his you know college years at the very beginning of his casting but by the time they made the second movie he was way too old 100 <laughs> percent yeah
2: well speaking of another person who seems ageless and uh... very handsome etc., jake gyllenhaal is quentin beck so john you've been reading comics a long time you've probably read a lot of mysterious storylines whether it's sinister six or individual appearances what was your uh, impression on his take on the character? And because obviously this is a very different interpretation, having sure. him, instead of coming from the world of like movies and special effects, having him be an an embittered Stark employee. I, I got the beard
0: when he put on those glasses, and he looked Robert Downey. Just, and I'm like, oh, I get it. This is all to get the the thing. And I'm like, he really. Almost look like Robert Downey Jr. with that beard.
2: Well, what's what's the new uh, the new acronym for the glasses? Like, oh, e- even Edith. in death, I'm the hero. E- yeah. In
0: yeah, even dead, even I'm, dead, I'm, I'm the, the hero. hero. Yeah. yeah, Edith. <laughs> <laughs> but he <laughs> was always doing you no, know, like like uh, Friday stood for something. Yep. You know, everything Jarvised Tony Stark yeah. did was an acronym that stood for something. Um,
2: Except for Iron Man. Uh,
0: you know, uh, she uh, like Shield. Yeah. You know, how many different acronyms has Shield stood for? I'll give it time. You'll, you can come up with something for Iron Man.
2: But I thought it was cool how they brought back a techie from the very first Iron Man in 2008, and then they kind of retroactively plugged Quentin Beck into Civil War. Yeah,
0: How many of those were manufactured flashbacks?
2: Well, I mean, it's just for me, just the fact that we now, like, 11 years into the MCU and 23 movies deep, the fact that it's not ignoring its history, <clears throat> but that it's exploiting its history and taking advantage of it. Yeah. As a little kid in the early 80s, when I was first really getting into comics, one of the things I always loved was when they would do, like, a flashback panel to the, an earlier appearance by a villain or a character, and they'd say, like, see Amazing Spider-Man 75. And I'm like, yeah. holy shit, I really want to see You it. didn't
0: notice that the first time you read it. But if you go back, that character is in the background, you know?
2: Oh, yeah, exactly. And But it's just, but I think it's just brilliant on their part to do, like, unfold their story this way. And it's one of the things that Warner Brothers is totally lacking right now with the DC Extended Universe, not recognizing the value of creating that interconnectivity because it's, Icing on the cake for the loyal. If you're new to the Marvel Universe, maybe you haven't even. Maybe you're too young to have even seen Iron Man. But it's like it's just an additional moment of satisfaction for people who've been sticking with it now for eleven fucking years. In
0: the in the previous in the Homecoming, they did that whole thing where Michael Keaton's character was using the Chatari tech. That had been left over from the Avengers battle. It's like that. Spider-Man lives in the Avengers world. Is he's not really an Avenger, but he's in the world. He's in the. Well, Tony said I w an Avenger. uh, uh, He's in in the shadow of the Avengers, and there's a lot of characters like that in the Marvel universe. And Spider-Man was an Avenger for a while. Then he wasn't. Then he was again. Then he
2: wasn't. I mean, he really was an Avenger until the Brian Michael Bendis run in the early two thousands. Like he'd always like flirt with it, where he'd be like an Avenger for half an issue, and be like, "Oh, well, I'm kind of a solo guy." Then they did. Off.
0: Then they say, "Oh no, he was a reserve Avenger." Yeah. or something so, like Yeah, but know? it took
2: decades before Spidey actually got a shot. Granted, of course, Amazing Spider-Man number one, he shows up at the Baxter Building and demands to be accepted into the Fantastic Four. Yeah, and they're like, "Well, we don't, uh, we don't pay like you know our, our people <laughs> <laughs> who are on a team." He's like, "What? There's no, sal- there's no yeah. salary." But uh, but uh, <laughs> Spider-Man's always wanted to be on a team but it, it took him a lot longer in the comics before he found he was always the ne'er-do-well he was the friendly neighborhood spider-man but he's kind of frowned upon looked down upon he was the the low-level vigilante guy and i kind of like how the end of this movie maybe perhaps has put him back in that kind of uh, shadowy kind of world where the a lot of the public frowns upon him etc mm-hmm.
0: they didn't have um in homecoming jay jonah was heard but he wasn't seen is that right I think you
2: I only saw a Homecoming once I can't remember.
0: This was this was the f- first time that um JK Simmons has been on screen. In the MCU, in the new, in the new Spider-Man, is iteration. that
2: proof of the multiverse then? Because he was J. Jonah, Jake, J- J-
0: previous iteration, and he's James Gordon, so he is uh, the J.K. Simmons verse, <laughs> right? He, he, J.K. Simmons is proof that there is a multiverse because <laughs> he is in the DC universe and the Marvel universe, and I think they were almost af- either maybe he wasn't available, but it seemed like they were afraid to put him in the new. Spider-Man movies because he was in the brand confusion. He was in the Tobey Maguire movies, and now we're saying, okay, Spider-Man looks different. Uh, We 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 can use as the voice of J Jonah Jameson, but we can't use him because we're now in a different world. We're in a different timeline, so they they put him him back in now, which is or he had an availability in his schedule. I think it's so
2: beloved that people would just roll with it, even if it creates, you know weird kind of confusion. Like if you're six, you might be like, well, then is this the same shit or he's not? And he's bald in yeah. the middle now. Yeah. I noticed yeah, that. I'm like, yep. he's got a different
0: haircut, but it's the same. Yeah, no I mean, there's top. no better character, there's no better character actor to play J. Jonah than J.K. Simmons.
1: But that's that That goes back to, like, James Bond having Des. You know, Desmond Llewellyn continued to play Hugh sure. throughout various. Or Judy you know, Dench popping up as
2: M, even after it had been yeah. rebooted. They rebooted yeah. it, yeah. but they kept Judy Dench. Well, yeah. I was like, all right, well, people like Judy Dench, so what is the role of it? <laughs> even,
1: though, even though it was a prequel and she would have been younger, younger you know, so but yeah. instead of older. Yeah, so I feel like it's not unheard of. For Judy it. Dench blipped. Even, flipped. even the, <laughs> the, the 90s Batman kept you know uh, the actors playing Pat, Pat Hingle. Playing Commissioner Gordon was through, was in them, and so was the actor who played uh, Alfred. Alfred. Yeah. In all four of them, despite sadly, right. Billy all D. Williams
2: James. did not come back for Batman Forever, no. but no. He, he was there for the first. And people always forget we had a, a black Harvey Dent.
1: Well, indie a, 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 IndieWire four hours ago just posted an article um, say, with uh, Kevin Feige breaking down the surprise connection between Sam Raimi's Spider-Man and Far From Home, which is J.K. Simmons. There you so go. there's a whole article here. Uh, where Kevin Feige is breaking his silence on why they made that decision. I haven't read it yet, so I can't – maybe while we're talking, I'll, I'll skim it. And, <laughs> and, I, I think and, just, well, and It's a
2: no-brainer. Yeah, he's such a damn yeah. good actor. J.K. Simmons is just on fire these days, and he's good And he's, he's like one of those guys like Michael Caine. Even if yeah. the movie's bad, he's incredible. And so just – yeah, if you get an opportunity to use J.K. Simmons, use J.K. Simmons. But let's get back to the, uh, the flick far from him specifically in terms of some of the details because for me – what I really liked most, the scene that really jumped out at me, was when we finally got to see Mysterio using his powers. And I actually did get taken in by a few of the pump fakes. When Nick Fury shows up in the middle of that assault, I bought it. And then suddenly yeah. he gets shot, et cetera. And so when I was like, wait, I, I was, I was, I mean, you see Mysterio get shot and Nick Fury's there. I was like, God damn, this movie's really short. Like, it's already fucking over. Like, I was really impressed <laughs> by the sleight of hand and how they actually yeah. had me buying, like, believing that the is like over 40 minutes before the it was supposed to be. Did he When he picked him up in the car, was that really Nick Fury or was that another? I think that was Quentin Beck. I, I think uh, Quentin, Nick Fury was elsewhere. But the one that really threw me at the very end when Quentin Beck is dying from an injury on that little like bridge area yeah. and then Spider-Man doesn't get fooled and he's about to get shot from the side and he's like, yeah, you're not going to catch me again. Even then, they were still catching me. So I was really, anytime a movie with sleight of hand and illusion can catch me and fool me. I'm impressed. So that I thought for a character whose powers are based on illusion, that really popped out for did me. Did
0: did they explain why his spidey sense wasn't working for a while? It seemed like in the beginning of the movie he acknowledged in some way that he had this power, but it wasn't it wasn't I working think, very well. Like when Alabama yeah, hits him with a banana. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I think that, that more, they would say in the just, comic books if Aunt May threw a banana at him and it hit him, it wouldn't be the, a threat. It, it wouldn't set off his spider sense because Aunt May has technically had no e- evil intent when throwing the banana, so that right. wouldn't set off his spider sense. But they kind of expanded that a little bit and said it's on the. It's on
2: the fritz right now. I I just assume it was so overwhelmed by the presence of so many threats with all these fucking drones and everything that it's almost like just like like creating like a static field of threats all around. But that's just it my just interpretation. Seems like it
0: feels like there's something missing there. It's like why wasn't it working? And then what prompted it to come back?
2: Yeah, I don't know. Because in uh, cause Spider-Man Two, you had that whole storyline like the Sam Raimi one where his powers went away, and then he kind of regained his confidence and his powers came back, and they yeah. never really fully explained that. They one could either. have.
1: Well, they could, well, T- correct me if I'm wrong, but they don't—they never introduced any version of his spider sense in the MCU up until this film. So it's almost like a new power. No, and in, in Infinity War,
2: home. no, Infinity War, he's on the bus and his hairs on his arms stand straight up when uh, Thanos the ship when is ship. Uh, right. And
1: so, like, always. In the, but yeah, I don't think he fully understood what that was. It was like yeah. he, he hasn't quite. It almost feels like it's like when when. Little Clark Kent is starting to learn. Oh, I can see through things. You know. Oh, I can. Like he's starting to hone and understand these new powers and abilities, and maybe some of them are still developing or evolving. Yeah, in the, throughout in the, the film. comics, they
2: make it real simple. They just draw the little squiggly black lines <laughs> around his head, and you're yeah. like, all right, spider senses. Or, or half
1: of his face is the mask.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that's the uh, one I, I, I always like. I love liked. that. Hell yeah. When <laughs> he's, like, he's as Peter Parker, <laughs> but half his face turns into <laughs> I mean, Spidey because he's.
0: They could have just said with a little bit of dialogue, "My spider sense isn't working very well since the incident." Since the Endgame incident, but now that I'm back, maybe it'll eventually come. But what back.
1: I, that's what I'm saying is I don't think it was ever referenced or talked about as as one of his quote unquote powers. Like I don't think he knew yeah. what it was yet. Like it's I think definitely this, not referenced
2: was, in Civil War. Yeah, I can't remember if it's referenced in Homecoming because I only saw that once. But yeah, I guess the first example I remember from the trailer to Infinity War on when he's on the bus and his hair stand up. Anyone who knows the character is like, "Oh, his spider right. sense is tingling," even if it's not verbally articulated.
1: Right, and 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 that's my point is I don't think he fully understood why he was having this sort of sixth sense all of a sudden to something of you know some danger that was that was looming. So I I, I thought that was my impression was that he he's still sort of coming to terms with what he can and can't do, and that this is, by the end of this film, he has fully learned how to sort of utilize this Peter Tingle to his (laughs) full advantage. (laughs)
2: But I guess when Aunt May references his quote-unquote Peter Tingle early on in the movie, if she's aware of it, then then clearly he and she have had a conversation that's about it yes. in the past. Yeah. So there's some sort of precedent that's been established prior to this movie of him having these abilities. So right. And we also
0: get robbed of the scene of him revealing his superhero identity to Aunt May. Well, she I busted
2: feel- him at the end of Homecoming, but I, I, you can fill in the gaps in terms of the conversation.
0: I feel like that's a we we were robbed somehow.
2: Are you pro hot Aunt May or are oh, you anti? Oh, absolutely. I mean, <laughs> is that even a question? Because in the early sixties, Aunt May was like an elderly, old, 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 enfeebled old crone who somehow managed <laughs> yeah. to stick around for decades and would kind of get younger every once in a while. Yeah. But I love it. They're like, you know what? Fuck it, Marissa Tomei. She's smoking hot. Yeah. Aunt May's hot now. Well, but what is how going old for? is Marissa Tomei now? I think early fifties, late forties. Well, then or? it's perfect. Yeah. It's I'll allow it. But I'm just saying if you were going to like do the, the the origins of the character early 60s when she first shows up in Amazing Fantasy 15 oh, she's decrepit she's like she, 99 she's years old she's frail and decrepit <laughs> and she's, she's died in the comic books at least twice that I'm aware of she should have been like his
1: great yeah, yeah. yeah. grandmother or something yeah. not an aunt an <laughs> yeah. aunt would've been about 20 25 years older although than although people him in the early 60s just
2: aged faster people like were smoking more drinking more sure. eating like worse stuff <laughs> like people just aged in dog years back then so it's like yeah. maybe maybe it makes sense
1: and in every film incarnation, Aunt May gets younger, which is interesting. Did, <laughs> yeah. Have we seen Uncle Ben in the – we haven't seen Uncle
2: Ben in the n- two newer Spider-Man No, and Spider-Man I think that's Man wise movies. on their part because everybody knows the story. Of, it's like Batman and his parents. Everybody sure. knows the story at this point. Yeah. I, I didn't want to go yeah. back and see it happen yeah. again, we obviously. It, we saw it with Sam Raimi. We've seen it twice. We saw it with the – who's that douchebag who did the two amazing Spider-Man movies? Um, I can't remember. it's Mark Webb. Mark Fucking Webb. hated yeah. those movies. <laughs> but anyway, We saw it there as well. And we've seen it in the cartoons. Just people know the story of Uncle Ben. They know with great power comes great responsibility. We don't need to rehash no, sure.
0: that until 2050. I just 2000- was wondering if they'd 50. shown a flashback They, they at did all.
1: have his uh, initials on the suitcase. No, that yeah, that was great. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Ben them. Parker, yeah. That was yeah. a nice nice nod, yeah.
2: Absolutely. Well, what do y'all think? And this is uh, – if you haven't seen the flick yet and you care about the MCU, well, then you actually – if you care about the MCU and you haven't seen the movie yet, then you don't really care about the MCU. So <laughs> I'll just say this. So Look, like, I, I,
0: I saw it within one week of release. But you're, you're weird about for, like... For me, that's cause. good. Yeah. <laughs> for, you, normally, I, not everybody likes... For Star Wars, you know, I'll go and I'll watch the movie on opening day.
2: Because you're a Star Wars fan.
0: I don't feel the need to do that with the MCU movies. I will see them. Although, John, we, you we'll, and
1: I have seen most of them within, within the first... Say five days or a week. Yeah, maybe. sure. But
0: so. but it, considering that we live in New York and we go to see movies in New York, there were, the the theater today was half full, not even half full. It's a, it's a hit the, movie. The, the yeah. Mo- yeah. but the Monday after the weekend, who goes to the movie? Th- what freak besides me goes to the movies on a <laughs> be on a Monday? It's a,
2: it's a it's a sign a sign of a hit. But but my, I guess my question was that what I was about to go into is. I'm not going to worry about spoilers because the movie's been out a week at this point. What do you all think about this whole idea of uh, Talos or Talos, however you say his name, basically having Skrulls as an extension of Nick Fury running the show while Nick Fury's on vacation in space? For me, one of the most exciting things about this movie was this idea that Nick Fury's rebuilding his clandestine Secret Service empire with the addition of shapeshifters as opposed to life model decoys, like, it's like the tradition of S.H.I.E.L.D., and having... Basically, like Nick Fury's power at this point or influence at this point is astronomical if he can have scrolls impersonating him all over the fucking galaxy.
0: I have a confession to make. Huh. I didn't see the second end credits. Oh no. There. Oh
2: Jesus. No, no.
0: <laughs> oh, only because if I <laughs> really I really had to go to the men's room. I saw the first <laughs> one and I said if I stay and watch the second I'm one I'm gonna make a mess. I there's gonna be some cleanup uh, well, there. So the what theater, you see so. is
2: that um Nick Fury, and Maria Hill are driving, yeah. and they turn back into the Skrull and his uh, wife from uh, from Captain Marvel. Yeah. And then you see that uh, Nick Fury is on a Skrull scroll spaceship, basically on vacation, sunning himself like in a simu- like in a simulation room. Oh, oh. And then he finally gets so, a call to kind of go back to work. He's like, "All right, can somebody find my my shoes?" But you see that Nick Fury now is living amongst the Skrulls. So it wasn't the
0: real Nick Fury.
2: Yeah, in,
1: throughout the entire the whole movie. movie from the opening scene, yeah. they were actual Skrulls in disguise, right. uh, Pretending to be, they were sort of. You know, allowing Nick Fury a little break. Yeah, <laughs> but is that the only
0: reason it. to do that? I mean, they're not going to follow up on that as a plot. Well, what point, I think right? is because everybody,
1: well, everybody's, everybody's so. been I...
2: saying Secret Invasion's the next big storyline. I don't think Secret Invasion's coming because both in Captain Marvel and in this, Skrulls have been depicted as in a good po- guy in a positive light. Yeah. I think we're if Samuel Jackson signs like another ten picture deal with Marvel. Cause I think that ten picture deal is up at this point. I think we're going to see him almost like in a Guardians of the Galaxy type role of running a new version of S.H.I.E.L.D., but probably be like Sword. Like, you know, Sword was yeah. like the space version of S.H.I.E.L.D., the
1: sentient world observation and response department. And
2: I, I love the idea of seeing Nick Fury, who has no powers. Running this crazy secret, like you know, like spy empire in space because it just opens the door to so many weird fucking storylines that you could I mean, just and I think Samuel Jackson could have so much fun with it. Uh-huh.
1: yeah, it's kind of like he's in in the same role protecting Earth before, but from from earthly, you know yeah. threats. Now he's in space, protecting Earth from. Sort of other world threats. threats. Yeah, he's not on yeah. a
2: helicarrier anymore. He's on a small right. spaceship. So he's just—he's uh, broadened, or he's throwing—he's throwing a much wider net.
1: It, it's so. a pretty big. It, it sort of, for me, it leads to a much more cosmic future for the MCU. It—it it shows us that we're going to have a much broader, um, otherworldly, uh, you know sort of approach. Going and they can forward. still
2: have evil scrolls. They can have super scroll. They can have all these great yeah. characters. You can have fat because granted, scrolls they are a species. They're a race from another world. You can have different political factions and so on and so forth. And so I don't really like Secret Invasion that much, which is why I'm not necessarily rooting for it that hard. But I do love the early days of Super Scroll, like during the Kree Scroll War, the Neil Adams and Roy Thomas era. Sure. Like I love that stuff. And so I'm really hoping that they'll start opening the door to some of those storylines. Well this brings up
0: hate to say it, Dark Phoenix which because I, I did, fucking I fucking hate. I, it. Okay, okay, okay. But obviously, mistakes were made. You know, the 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 question then becomes: How bad is the damage? Because that whole—I mean, the worst thing about it to me was the fact that um, they didn't th- these weird. I don't even remember the, the scrolls name. who weren't scrolls. The, the, the scrolls who weren't scrolls. The the uh, people. The Shiar who weren't Shiar. Yeah. Like what were they? And how can you? Do, they never say. How can you? Yeah. Do, I don't even remember the name of the race. Um,
2: it's something stupid and made up. Yeah. Uh, Simon Kinberg has done so much brand damage. Yeah. To those characters and to the Marvel. I mean, it, Dark Phoenix was the lowest opening of any X Men movie ever. Lowest international box office of any X-Men movie ever lowest Rotten Tomato score lowest user score it's the lowest everything it set a record for the worst performing X-Men movie in the history of the franchise on every single front
0: it beat Last Stand which is saying something yeah which is the last time they tried to do Dark Phoenix and Simon Kinberg
2: also helped write that so it's like Simon Kinberg not once but twice has ruined the Dark Phoenix storyline well Brett Ratner
0: come on yeah Brett Ratner well you've
2: got personal beef with Brett Ratner going back (laughs) to your days at NYU but it just blows my mind how much damage was done to so many great characters concepts and storylines because I do want to see the She. I do want to see the, sc- the, the scrolls. I want to see them all done as well as we know they can be
0: they, they just took out any I mean obviously it was There were rewrites and there were reshoots And there were dates where this movie Kept getting pushed forward on the calendar And forward on the calendar And that's never a good sign But it's like You can't make a movie by committee this way it's and that's like what they, Simon Kimberry does.
1: Yeah, and and, and and the the Well and they gave yeah. and they gave him the director's chair, which was he has never directed before. So. I said it
0: probably when we first started to see the trailers, Adam, yeah. that this is going to be a problem because the story of Phoenix where the good character goes bad is fundamentally flawed. Why would you even want to go there? Nobody wants to see one of the heroes become a villain. Well,
2: I do, but you got to do the homework. You got to do you got to lay the groundwork like the Phoenix Saga lasted from issue 101 through 137. It took years to unfold and she saved the galaxy first with like the Mcon crystal and it just she had all these incredible storylines where she would like fight Magneto. Yeah. They let her be Phoenix for a long fucking time. They
0: put her in Black
2: laundry. right Yeah, lingerie. before <laughs> they finally had her be seduced by the Hellfire Club yeah. and then turned lease as the the world the world eater like You know, of of Dark Phoenix. So I think if you do the hard work ahead of time and earn it. Yeah. Go for it. But they, then the next ne-
0: writer comes on board and says, oh, wait, that wasn't even her. Actually, she's still in the space shuttle in the bottom. Remember this? Yeah, yeah, no, she was, the, she's the in the they, space the shuttle the way way at the bottom of X Jamaica back, Bay. Yeah. She's Jean Grey now. She's back. and It's like, what? I, I
2: hated that. It, this, this, even at age 10, I felt cheated.
0: No, yeah. this is the problem with Marvel in general is that a writer will do something. The next writer comes on board on that book and undoes it and does his thing. And then the next writer, it, 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 there are a lot of books. Spider-Man is one of them. Where I end up saying to myself, "Who's in charge here?" But Who's something should
2: be undone, Who's like Ben, like the ben Riley. Does anybody miss Ben Riley? No, not at all. <laughs> but
0: it's like, but, but that's a prime example. Somebody comes along and, sa- and does the Clone Saga. Yeah. And the Clone Saga was interesting at the when in its first iteration, and then somebody, a new writer comes on board years later and says, "What if the clone is the real one and the real one is the clone?" And, oh, okay, it's mildly interesting. But then the next writer tries to undo that. And it it, it it it's a tangled web. It's, it's literally a tangled web of storylines. Permanent
2: second second act storytelling. But sometimes it can be great, like when Ed Brubaker undid the death of Bucky and brought him as Winter Soldier. Yeah. It's like all right, undo away, that's fucking genius. And
0: and for years we said everybody comes back except Except for Bucky. Except Bucky. Yeah. And Uncle Ben. Yeah.
2: But even he came back like in <laughs> they came, like dreams. They've brought him back
0: yeah. several times.
2: Anyway, so we have we've, uh, we've drifted away from the, know, the discussion sorry. of Far from Home. But Adam what yes. are your thoughts? So, I guess the original question was, uh, yeah, you know, what I mean, did you like the whole interpretation of Nick Fury, his role? Because he had a much bigger role in this than he's had probably since Winter Soldier was the last Marvel movie we had a big part to play in the narrative. It's been years since he got to really take center stage this way. Did you like the interpretation of Nick Fury, his relationship with Spider Man, etc.?
1: Yeah, I think I think Samuel Jackson has always done a terrific job. Uh, some of he had some of the most crowd-pleasing lines in this film. Uh, bitch, you been, I been I mean, to space. Yeah, bitch, please, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just so many moments like that that really got the crowd so excited. And, and, you know, obviously in New York City with a diverse audience, you know, someone like Samuel Jackson, I actually saw it in Harlem, so I had a very unique audience um, who really loved Samuel Jackson, and they were just dying, laughing, <laughs> on the, rolling on the floor. Every time he had one of his funny lines, like, they were just you know, they were loving it. And I, and I was just, I love that energy. I love that, that enthusiasm uh, for, for you know, a particular actor. I think when people love an actor, it it, it just, it doesn't matter what they do. They're, they're just, they're, their pre- mere presence kind of brings joy to the audience. I think he he does that. Just every time he's on screen in this character, he delivers. I mean, I love the line when uh, he goes, uh, got me, and then Rhea you know blows up the drone right in front of him. So, I got gotcha. yeah. <laughs> you. Know, they're they're a great, great team.
2: Stuff. Yeah, I, I, I love Kobe. Is it Kobe Smulders? Is that how you say her, her yeah, name properly? Kobe Smulders,
1: yeah, Kobe Smolders, Yeah,
2: I'm obsessed with her. I feel like it's weird. Like early Marvel... Really took advantage of those two characters. We saw them a lot, like in like the Joss Whedon era. Yeah. But then in the latter period, they've kind of disappeared. Like when they showed up at the end of Infinity War for that brief post credit scene, it was like, oh my god, I kind of forgot these characters were even like part of the MCU. I'm glad to see them again, and I love the fact that they haven't been allowed to die on the vine. That these characters are still relevant, and yeah. I, I think uh, sign them both up for ten
1: more movies if you like. Totally. Yeah, they did a great job. It is kind of strange that they weren't themselves though; that they were pretending to be. You know, again, because of the whole revelation at the end of the movie, um, it's sort of like how how do they know to behave? Yeah. So much like their it, characters. And is anything it, real in
0: this movie? Right. We had that, we had medicine. Well, we had it. villains that weren't real. We yeah. had uh, right. heroes who weren't who they said they were. I'm like, uh, there's, no, there's no there there. It's <laughs> like you know yeah. what 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 is real? Well, the
2: only thing that's real is his love for Zendaya. Oh as God, MJ.
0: <laughs> I can't stand her. <laughs> All
2: right, so because I, I actually I actually did really like the uh, the chemistry between Tom Holland and Zendaya. However, as someone who is not a Zendaya fan, make, make the case for why she sucks.
0: She, a, she's no character and done. Species no Emma Stone. I I get the multi multi-culty thing. Okay, fine. But how about an actress that can deliver a line? You know, without mumbling. Well, she's a pop star she's very, as well. Very very yeah. hard to understand. Yeah. Yeah. Not a great actress by any stretch of the imagination. I've been
2: watching that show Euphoria on HBO, and I'm enjoying it. But she's got the most limited acting chops of anybody on that show.
0: Yeah, you need an. I mean, for someone, she doesn't seem smart enough to figure out what she figures out in this movie. I'm not buying it. You know, why I do mean, you hate women, John? I do. I know. No, but like in the Kirsten Dunst era, they did the thing where, or maybe it was the comic book where she walks out of the into the backyard and accidentally sees him changing into his costume or whatever. That makes more sense to me than like, oh, I figured it out. But wait, I didn't really figure it out. Only I figured it out. But I'm smart. But although, I'm not. Although to be fair, it's like
2: in kick. these movies, he does do a pretty poor job of concealing his identity. Oh, so, sure. I think just about anybody I, I, could have figured it out. Could, yeah. and
0: he, by, but by that token, there would be somebody on the Daily Planet staff who goes,
2: Clark Kent always disappears five minutes before yeah, yeah, yeah. Superman shows up. And and then just... Uh, and th- like, how come we have this guy who looks just like him, but yeah. because his posture is a little more slouched. And he, like and that. he's not
0: wearing glass. Why, mm-hmm. without
2: your glasses, you're... Yeah, it's definitely a suspension of disbelief. But I did enjoy just the kind of the romantic tension between the two actors. It it felt genuine. Sometimes actors feel like you seem like they'd rather be on separate continents than in the same shot together. And it seems like Tom Holland and Zendaya really enjoy working together. I don't like Ned Leeds for the same reason, you know. Well, Well, you're from the Hobgoblin era. For people who don't know, Hobgoblin was the early 80s answer to the absence of Green Goblin. And it was this great pump fake yeah, I remember my older brother. Like he'd be reading comic books, and he'd be screaming to no one in particular, "It's Ned Leeds!" He would like yep. he he thought he like figured it out, but yeah. they were basically setting up Ned Leeds for the fall as the Hobgoblin when he wasn't the Hobgoblin. But it was such a, it was. Early eighties Amazing Spider Man was just fucking killer. And if you were reading at the time, Hobgoblin was the best villain of that period. That's so Ned Leeds was a huge part of that. It's another
0: one of those things where another writer takes over. He didn't get the notes from the previous writer. So and he doesn't know up. that Ned Leeds isn't the Hobgoblin. Yeah. You know, it was it's one of those. For Ned Leeds is this. He's a reporter. Now he's a villain. Now he's a good guy. Now he's dead. Now he's back. It's like it's another one of those things where each writer thinks they know better That's than you, the than you, you the last writer. You need writer. good
2: strong editors to kind of keep people's eye on the ball. Yeah, exactly.
1: I I mean I I have always looked at films based on comics and like this to be separate things. I, I even if something is based loosely on or they're using names of characters, I always try to judge it on what it is and not what it's trying to, you know, what it may have, what may have come before. And so I I think that the casting and the characters uh, were so endearing. I think they're all just so much fun to watch and listen to and the interactions with one another. Uh, I told Becky, I was like, I could probably watch these characters for another hour on screen. I just thought, that the, again, the downtime of them just being silly and doing things and just uh, just living, I think, is, is for me, is super entertaining. I am not somebody that, I, I don't think that, Zendaya was a bad choice. I think that they were looking for somebody that that Tom Holland's Peter Parker would look to, look at and and see as sort of also an outsider, but still beautiful, still pretty, and sort of a little bit of a tomboy, a little different, but also somebody that that you know is sort of. Not in the cool crowd, not in the cool clique. Whereas you know, Mary that-
2: Jane in the comics was a super, right. was a supermodel. supermodel, like quite literally yeah. a, a exactly. supermodel. It, yeah. When you first, the first panel introduced, when that beautifully drawn by John Romita, she's like face the tiger, you've hit the jackpot. And they've been teasing her for a long time. They've been trying to set them up, and he's like, oh my god. But TNA, she was hot as balls from the word go. But a very very different kind of character than and Gwen Stacy as well. Yeah. Gwen
1: Stacy was such a you know like the cheerleader type blonde. So, I think they were really trying to go for. She was actually a really what?
2: boring character until they killed her off. Then everybody's everybody like became fascinated <laughs> She's with Gwen Stacy. much Stacey. more <laughs> interesting now. <laughs> yeah. 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 But everybody <laughs> always thinks that she was like this is a great tragic loss. Like, no, Gwen Stacy was like a one dimensional, boring character until they decided to kill her off. Then she took on these like profound dimensions, et cetera. Right. Right. I just,
0: I feel like the one person's multiculturalism in casting is another person's pandering. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, we're going to give him an Asian friend. or We're going to make Flash Thompson a, 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 a darker skinned character. I don't yeah, it, 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 it doesn't match yeah. the Spider-Man well, comics that I, I grew I up say, with, which may have no, been too true. white, but I don't right. always agree with that we have to make everything multicultural now to appeal to more people because it seems cheap and almost like pandering to that.
1: But I I have to say that now, with my daughter in in kindergarten in a New York City public school, I have to say that's what it looks like now. Sure. That's who's in her class. I agree. But where. All of that. Where that's what it would be like for Peter Parker in modern day. But then for an
0: older fan who has memories of. The high school days of Peter Parker from the 60s and 70s—it doesn't look like that anymore. Maybe it right. shouldn't, but then don't call him Flash Thompson. Call him something else. Like, call and, him and then a new call, character. Call him Ned yeah. Lee That's, instead I of Ned Lee it's like you know?
2: MJ is not Mary Jane. She's just MJ. I don't, does her, does yeah. she have a last name? I don't even know. Uh, they, she has another name in the first one, but she's like and they just, like, call me. She has some line of like throwaway line of like call me MJ or, or something it's along those lines. Silly. Line. But uh, so she's not Mary Jane. So there, it's like, it actually is a new character. I I 100 agree. Like if you want to introduce. New characters, go to it. Introduce whatever you like. But I will say this about the supporting cast in the Spider-Man movies: I think of all the Marvel characters, the best supporting cast, or the best fleshed-out supporting cast, is the Spider-Man supporting cast. Where you do want to spend time. Iron Man and the first Iron Man movie in 2008 had a great supporting cast with you know Happy and with uh, and with uh, Rhodey and with uh, Pepper, etc. But I think now of all the remaining characters left in the MCU, Spider-Man definitely has the f- most best. Fully fleshed out supporting cast, but I totally get what, when casting starts to feel like a mathematical equation of representation as opposed to organic characters. It does start to feel calculated, but when it comes to box office, it plays a role. It 100 percent plays a role. So it's definitely a, a factor that studios have to consider.
1: I mean, it, they yes, I, I think it's both. I think there is definitely a, a a a an effort to make sure you're appealing, to make sure that. Every kid in the audience can connect and relate to somebody on the screen, right? That's that's good marketing. That's good that's good filmmaking in one sense. But there are plenty of black a, kids
2: who like Peter Parker and he's oh, sure. he's yep. white as my my bare ass. And so it's like right. I, I also I always try to resist this idea that you have to see your body type on screen to relate to characters because I can relate to Betty's character and think she's adorable, it, even though right. I have nothing in common with the character that's being portrayed on screen.
1: It's it's less being it's less relating and more just feeling like oh i could be in a movie like that you know i'm i'm this like and when i watch I, porn
2: and i want to be able to insert myself into right. the scenario <laughs> that,
1: that you feel a sense of like this this is a, a place where where i could at one day be a part of this movie business and i could be on screen so i think it's more just sort of making sure people uh all, that especially little kids feel like there's uh up there's a representation of them on the screen. Doesn't have to be the lead, you know, not at all. It just, means, just needs to be, feel like there's there's a place for them uh, in, in that universe. But it reminds uh, me of this
2: great conversation or this great bit I heard from Chris Rock doing one time where he wanted to audition for uh, the Starskin Hutch movie. And they're like, hmm. well, you don't, you're, you're they, they assumed you wanted to uh, audition for like one Huggie of the bear. sidekick characters. Yeah. Right. And he's like, no, I want to play one of the leads. And they're like, what do you mean? He's like, I love that shit when I was growing up. I want to audition and they're, and they're, but it's a weird thing where he loved those characters irrespective of the skin color I don't know if there's like a silver bullet for the perfect magic answer I feel like in the end what feels organic what serves the story best should be what you defer to but obviously it's a very very complicated riddle that uh, studios wrestle with but I don't want to get too derailed talking about representation in cinema because where could the conversation possibly go wrong on the internet <laughs> 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 in than in this, particular, this Tell, particular topic t-
0: Tilda Swinton is an old Chinese man what exactly um,
2: Where are you coming from, Spider-Man? Nobody
1: knows who you are.
0: Okay, true believers, here he is, your friendly neighborhood, Spider-Man. Today's episode, Spidey meets the spoiler. And let's hope our favorite web slinger hasn't also met his match. Ever elite, the legendary wall crawler. is looking we, for If we name it this on the cover, we're going to trick people into buying it. You
1: know what I mean? John and I have discussed this before. <laughs> we have to look and the interior cover to see what is the real name in yeah. order to know how to alphabetize yeah. it in our collection. Because now
0: this is not really Marvel Team-Up Volume 4. This is Ms. Marvel Team-Up Volume 1. Yeah, it, no,
2: right. I, I recently went through that when I was uh, trying to alphabetize and uh, do a numerical and chronological order of my entire collection. And when you get into the X-Men stuff, it's like, all right, well, here it's X-Men, then it's Uncanny X-Men. Yeah. And it's like then it starts breaking off into, like, New X-Men, and, I, and I was, I just, it becomes a fucking nightmare. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to get it, it wrong, but I'm just going to have to live with it. It comes down, <laughs> then, it comes down yeah. to do
0: you put Amazing X-Men under A or X? That's what it comes yeah. down
2: yeah. to. Yeah, and, and then finally I was like, I'm going to alphabetize them all by X, but I'll put like Amazing and Astonishing, et cetera. At the, be- all, at the start all, of the X. At the, but okay, but okay. in the end, it's all X-Men. So yeah. that way I know where the fuck to find the shit. Okay, But Amazing I'm- Fantasy would obviously be... At the A's, but, and, that's, right. and
1: that's and that's what and I have amazing Spider-Man under A. I always felt that that A the amazing part of it di- differentiated it from spectacular Spider-Man. It's, it's two
0: or, schools of thought. I'll put yeah. Amazing X-Men under A. And, yeah. yeah, I'll live and die by that choice. That's that's. But yeah. I'll, I put unc- I put Uncanny X-Men under X. You I do don't it, put okay, it under she, you. Yeah, I, I, I put it under X. Yeah. Okay.
2: All right, yeah. well, uh, as we start to look ahead at the future, Adam, you just brought up that there is basically a new giant status quo for the character where his secret identity has been revealed, and everybody thinks he's a menace who has killed Mysterio. But what's, what I liked about this movie is that it seemed like it was playing in the seeds for Spider-Man basically being the center of the Marvel Universe moving forward, that he's going to be basically the most popular and the biggest character, and it's kind of he's the new Tony Stark, Iron Man, Robert Downey Jr. of the MCU, assuming that Sony and Marvel continue to work together and assuming that Tom Holland wants to come back for more after whatever his next movie is. So, Adam, I'll kick the ball over to you. Uh, what, what, what were your feelings about this new status quo where the whole world knows who he is? Because in the comics, obviously, he volunteered that during Civil War. And yeah. then they retconned it back out where they he became a secret again. But for a while, he stepped forward and volunteered his own identity, which obviously changes things since Peter Parker has always been an outsider. Uh, do you think this helps hurts? What what do you think?
1: Well, in in some ways it it's a nice reference back to the first Iron Man where he says I am Iron, Man, you know, I am Iron Man. Tony Stark announces to the world. So if he is to become the next, you know, Iron Man or next hero to fill those shoes, this is kind of like another step in that direction. That his he's, but but he's obviously a 16 year old boy, so that's also a problem. You know, he hasn't had a chance to go to college yet or do anything else. So that, he
2: hasn't even lost his V card yet. Yeah. <laughs> Tony Stark had lost his V card several yeah. times over. Venom. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> he's gonna shoot some venom. His, his little his little web shooter. His web be, sho- He did call it his yeah. web shooter. got like, oh, or- a little tighter on little web shooter. <laughs> I thought that was hysterical. But,
1: but I do think that. Um, yeah, this all hinges on can, can will Tom Holland return for like five more movies? Because that's what it will take and, to do this right. One more movie is not going to be sufficient for this character, especially after the success that this film is having. This is like it almost feels like this is the beginning of the next chapter. a whole new phase. Yeah, RDJ of was around
2: for eleven years, and in yeah. an ideal world, Tom Holland would have a similar run.
1: Exactly, and he needs, and he. I think he could do it. He could progress into college. He could go, he could age perfectly with, he's just the right age. If he could age well over the next five to six years to continue playing the, the character, in, whether it's in other MCU films or whether it's in more standalone films, I really, I just pray that Sony and Marvel can work out an arrangement to continue this partnership because this this won't work if they take him back and like pretend he's, still, and and keep Tom Holland, but no longer connected to the MCU, I'll be so angry, and I will boycott everything about Spider-Man if they do that. That is one of
2: my questions, because I I don't know if enough audience members are savvy enough to know that Sony basically has the character, and they can do with him whenever they want. It's only, it was a very short-term partnership to have him appear in all these Marvel movies to kind of restore and resurrect the character and put him back on firm footing. Obviously, now he's very much back on firm footing. But it seems like, in terms of the story we saw in Far From Home between his relationship with Happy, his relationship with the technology, the way he was designing his own suit, that they are planting the seeds for a future relationship, which makes me think that Feige and Pascal, who are the two most instrumental people in this potential partnership, have yeah. basically decided on the next... They've got a rough agreement about what the next couple of years of Spider-Man will mean. It makes me think that Sony and Marvel will continue to work together. Who knows? I mean, maybe Sony will be greedy and say, fuck you, Disney. We, we don't want to give money away or you know stories away to our competitor. But I have a feeling he's going to remain in the MCU even if the other Sony Spider-Man movies remain outside of it.
1: I- agreed. I think that only... as much as I love all of the new characters that have been introduced, like we were saying, all of his classmates and Aunt May, I I feel like the interconnectivity to the MCU and the other heroes and the references to other characters, even Captain America, like how does Cap throw a shield like that? All that stuff enriches these movies to a level that makes it that much more enjoyable for the fans. And if if Sony tries to pull a power, you know, uh, move and 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 sort of continue with Tom Holland without it being part of the MCU. I think it will lose so much of what makes the fans love it. And uh, like you said, they could be greedy. They could do. They could attempt to do that, uh, but I think it will backfire. I, in my opinion, I think it would uh, ultimately hurt their. I mean, they have to understand that that it was the connection to the MCU and Kevin Feige's involvement. That made all five of his appearances thus far so successful. I would hope they see that it's not Amy Pastel.
2: But a lot of people, <laughs> you know, like to cling to certain illusions or like I to you know, know, live in I denial, etc. And right. so, and they, a lot of people have a cynical attitude towards fans. They, they won't know the difference. They're dumb, etc. And there's there's plenty well, of, there's Venom plenty of that kind of thinking out there.
1: That the that most people did not understand that Venom wasn't part of. Uh, the MCU, and exactly. I, I think that's that's a great example of what you're talking about. And
2: like for me, the idea of introducing a Venom movie where his origin is not tied to Spider-Man is the dumbest thing in history. Because first and foremost, why does this character even need to look like Spider-Man if it right. wasn't on Spider-Man in the fucking first place? And if you do a Spider-Man versus Venom movie, the whole point of Spider-Man versus Venom, their rivalry, making it fun, was that the costume. And Eddie Brock both felt betrayed by Spider-Man and Peter Parker, and so their their sense of vengeance and revenge was like magnified, and it made that relationship and that rivalry so much more special. The way they've introduced the character now totally destroys any meaning between a Spider-Man versus Venom rivalry. But when no one's yeah, I know, no one's asked in my opinion on these. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, are they going to do a
0: Carnage sure. follow-up to Venom? It seems that, like they're heading that way. I mean, Venom
2: way. made. I think like $700 million worldwide. So obviously the sequel's coming. The big yeah. question is, will Tom Holland's remaining movie on his contract be a Spider-Man versus Venom movie? Right. And at that point, then are you saying now that Venom is part of the MCU? Because obviously how would they meet otherwise? It's a complicated legal and creative wrinkle that they need to find a way to navigate. I just hope they navigate it in a way that it improves the MCU as opposed to hurting it or pulling away from it.
0: And, and if you do Homecoming... And then this movie, which is essentially like class trip. What's next? You do graduation day, Spider Man graduation day, ready? Fucking fifty soon, like. (laughs) Or he goes to college like out west somewhere and you keep the home thing. You do Spider-Man home on the range. Away from home, yeah. I oh, know.
1: <laughs> Spider-Man, uh, or you can't go home again.
2: Yeah, he's called, Sp- you can't go, Spider-Man, you can't go home again.
0: Sp- Spider-Man home for the holidays. Yeah. I give these ideas freely to Marvel. They can use yeah, that, them if I think, they want. I
1: think first year in college. Spider-Man, is, freshman orientation. <laughs> but also, it's one of the things where
2: Spider-Man is a New Yorker, so he should go to school fucking Columbia or something like, or NYU or something like that. Well, that's, like, yeah. Empire State University. Yeah. yeah,
1: Empire State, which was NYU, right? I mean, right. We all knew. Although, in the Sam Raimi films, they shot all his scenes at at Columbia. You know that's that's where he uh, apparently went to school. In the Sam Raimi films, well, so it's
2: cool. he was in high school for like five seconds. In the same the first Sam yeah. Raimi movie, they go through high school and then into he's got an apartment in New York. He's living with his buddy. Like I liked yeah. how in the Sam Raimi universe, they kind of sped things along. He doesn't need to stay in high school indefinitely. He was in high school for a couple years in the early 60s. Anyway, I I don't want to go back to that because I feel like we've uh, beaten that one to Uh, death. Okay. But I I want to start asking you all some of my questions. So, first and foremost, uh, in 2009, no superhero movies were in the top 10 uh, in terms of domestic box office. In two thousand eighteen, six out of 10 of the domestic box office uh, top 10 earners were superhero movies. People are constantly talking about superhero fatigue and obviously, Dark Phoenix, enormous flop, embarrassing everybody involved. Shazam, severely underperformed. Seems like every time a movie underperforms, they say superhero fatigue. Every time it's a hit, they say it doesn't exist. Is superhero fatigue even a thing, or is it just boiled down to the qualities and the merits of the individual films on a case-by-case basis? John, I'll let you take it first. Um,
0: I see it as there were movies that came out in the comic book arena before that were a little too early, you know what I mean? If you think back to, and I hate uh, Dick Tracy, you know Popeye. Before that, I just watched the Robin Williams bio. I watched it. Mi- probe, I watched it a million so. times. I was a kid. But, <laughs> no, but that's fresh in my mind. That like Popeye, obviously huge flop. But um, what am I thinking? The Dark Man, stuff like that. They were clearly comic book movies. Uh, they were just a little bit too early you know what I mean? Before it was a thing,
2: or they were just in time to kind of get things started. <laughs> Somebody, you know, Superman the movie was the 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 sure. Burst big one that sure. was 1979 like, but
0: there was Superman 2 and then it spiked and then there was this really big valley that they, the couldn't, shadow that they, that they couldn't come out of yeah. I, you know that's not a terrible movie when I saw that I was like this isn't like half bad Well, okay it's half bad but it isn't like well, all yeah. bad it's half
2: bad but it's uh, yeah half bad. But between <laughs> Superman 2 and it bat- was,
0: maybe it was just a, a decade too early and then X-Men comes out and the thing
2: really well, really Blade, takes Blade up. X-Men Spider-Man that was like the, the, the three of those really got things going but yeah between Superman two and Batman it was like a what eight nine year interim where there were like no superhero movies so right. yeah well, so we're at, the
0: ta- the we're at the tail end of yeah well uh, <laughs> we're at the tail end of a, a like 20, a tw- a 20, year, 20 cycle. year cycle where now a- if incredible. they're not if they're not careful and they make something like Dark Phoenix or something that doesn't connect or I didn't see the Shazam but you know I will weak. I will see it eventually yeah.
2: but it, it, in terms of box office are underperformed
0: yeah yeah, so we're 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 maybe at the tail end of the trend. Yeah, like the we western.
2: The western from like the mid fifties to the early seventies was like the superhero movie of. of Westerns today.
0: came back. Yeah. There could be a, we could be entering another little ebb and flow, a, a valley period. We don't know how long it's going to last. Just just make the films better. You but it's <laughs> kind of like in two thousand
2: eight, we had Dark Knight and Iron Man. Think oh, we well got Dark Knight and Iron Man. Superhero movies are here for good. The following year, two thousand nine, where you had movies like The Watchmen. Not a single superhero movie in the top ten, which for me I find to be remarkable.
0: Yeah, Watchmen is underrated.
2: I agree. One I just, of my I, favorite I, I, films. I reversed myself on it recently. I was I used to talk shit about it. Yeah. I saw the the full, giant, uncut, megalopolis version recently. <laughs> yeah. And I loved it. <laughs> I, I, I was really into it. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I, I, I re-
0: My regret was not seeing Watchmen in the theater. I saw it every night. Because I loved the graphic yeah. novel so much. And I w- it's one of those books I would reread every year to remind myself yeah. of it. And then I was like... When I finally did see it at home on video, I was like, oh, I should have seen this on the big screen. I saw
2: screen. it drunk with a Red Bull in my system. I was like, yeah, bring it on. But <laughs> I was like halfway through, I was like, I'm sobering up and I'm getting a headache. <laughs> but no, like, I really like it. I yeah, really no, like no. it. I,
1: I actually, I'm a firm believer that they should re release the full uncut Ultimate Edition theatrically, uh, you know, in limited run. I think it would be, a re- I think now is the time, especially with the HBO series coming. That people would be well timed.
2: Yeah, ten year yeah. anniversary. Yeah, we, yeah, we've already so passed the ten year anniversary. Well, Adam, I'll, the, I'll, I'll knock the ball back to you. <laughs> superhero fatigue. Yeah. Does it even exist, or is that expression just clickbait?
1: I, I think it's primarily wishful thinking on part of certain critics and analysts. They 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 need to write about these films. They, and at a certain point, what else are you going to say about a superhero movie other than because they were saying this, James? Even about Avengers Endgame. They're like, oh yeah, it was a huge hit, but this might be it. This might be the last one. People are just gonna be tired of superhero movies now. It's like they were they're looking for some excuse to say that this genre is because they want it to be they want it to end. Because they're required to review all of them like I fucking right. hate this <laughs> shit. <laughs> How <laughs> many is this twenty seven movies? How many yeah, is this? You know? Yeah. So if you're not a fan and you're a critic, then of course you want it to be, you know, uh, on this, on the downward <laughs> decline, because you don't want to review them anymore, you don't want to talk about them anymore, and I think a lot of people feel like they're they are just films made by a committee. No, they're not. There's no artistic vision in them. There's there's a lot of debate about this, right? We've talked about it previously uh, with our R-rated live stream. Yeah. It's just uh, it it's it will uh, co- the comic book industry. I think is a good sort of analogy. It it has its ups and downs. But it never died, you know. It it will find it, something will happen to eventually have it be less prevalent, perhaps. But then it will it'll come back up again. It's just it's like the stock market. It, it's a there's ups and there's peaks and valleys. That's yeah.
0: my the the genius of the end game was. The same as you see with a big Marvel crossover, take War of the Realms or Secret Empire, or you could read the Secret Empire books, or you could read War of the Realms one through six. You could also read all the tie-ins and think you're getting more of the story. So, in addition, like I had
2: Evolutionary tension, War, baby, but I, I read had, all of Evolutionary War. I had oh
0: god, <laughs> I had tension at home because my wife said, "Oh, I'll go with you to see Infinity War," and I'm like. Are you crazy? You didn't see the Ant Man movie, so you're not gonna know who that he guy. Better this guy, Carlo, on the podcast a few weeks ago, War?
2: saw Endgame but hadn't seen Infinity War. Oh my and god. Not even, god! And not even a Marvel so, fan. So you're <laughs> you're
0: you're seeing the split of two kinds of people.
2: Yeah. The, the casuals. people who
0: casual fans who will be like, "Well, I guess I'll go see Endgame," but now who's that guy? Yeah. Well, who's Ant Man? Uh, you know who's Spider Man? Yeah, yeah. And 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 then you're the people like ourselves who will go see every movie. Because they're all going to play into, they're all going to feed back into Avengers Infinity War or Avengers Endgame. So we bought the tie-in issues because we wanted to see all
2: the way that story went. Which crossover in comic book uh, history did you buy the greatest number of tie ins? Because oh there's there some events where I avoid the tie ins like the plague, <clears> and yeah. there's some events where I would read them all. Like, I can remember Acts of Vengeance, I read as many tie ins yeah. as possible. Yeah. Secret was, Wars 2, which was awful, I read all those tie-ins. I, I
0: unfortunately read all of those. Yeah, but like, they Secret every, Empire, I read all the yeah, time. Every once
2: in a while, one will come along, and like, the, but the one where I <coughs> bought the most by far in terms of my buying power at the time and my interest in comics, Civil War in 2006, I bought every goddamn time I could get my hands on. Yeah. Obviously read Civil War, which I loved, but that was the last crossover that really got me where I was like, I'm buying the hype, I'm buying the comics, I'm buying everything Civil War War related.
0: War of the Realms this year has been ridiculous.
2: Just like Uh, in terms of story or in terms of the number
0: of times in terms of how many books I have to buy (laughs) if I want to read the whole story and then so I'll get God help me I find myself buying um, uh, War of the Realms next Agents of Atlas and I'm like I don't I don't even care about these characters but if there's a tiny chance that I'm going to see a little bit more of the War of the Realms story here that's not in War of the Realms 1 2 3 4 5 or 6 I'm going to take that chance if you know
2: the day that John Holderith stops buying comics is the day that Marvel Comics closes up yeah, shop for clo- good yeah that'll not- that mean they've lost the like you know the the the, the impulse buyer yeah
0: and I'm <laughs> like I there were a couple War of the Realms crossovers that I resisted like It crossed over into, I think, Superior Spider-Man and the West Coast Avengers guest starred in that. And I'm like, oh, I love West Coast Avengers. I gotta... No, no. I'm gonna hold... I don't buy Superior Spider-Man, so I'm, I'm gonna resist. I'm just gonna buy it if it has War of the Realms in the title. But even then, we had War of the Realms the Punisher. That was, that was separate <laughs> yeah. from the Punisher book. Yeah, yeah, that was yeah. a three-issue miniseries. So it's like, they know. They know they've got you by the balls. And it's like, War of the Realms the Uncanny X-Men. Now I gotta buy X-Men and War of the
2: Realms X-Men. So now I'm double dipping. Well, you know? when the event is awesome, it's worth it. And when the event sucks, it makes you want to quit reading comics. So it's, it's a double-edged sword. Yeah. And then most of that stuff was
0: in 1 through 6. So I probably could have just read 1 through 6 yeah. and got enough of the story. Yeah, that, you know? That's what I
1: did. I, I haven't read them yet. I'm so behind. But I bought just the the, the main series. Yeah. I think that's... That's enough. <laughs> it, should to, it should be. It should be yeah, enough. Yeah. The best
2: was when they did Secret Wars, though, because what they did, instead of tie-ins, every single comic in Marvel just flashed forward to the end of Secret Wars. So you yeah. got to do the aftermath, like the black costume, et cetera. Yeah. But then over the next year, you're like... What the fuck went down? And see, you created all this anticipation. Like I, I'm dying to know. Oh, they
0: had me What happened? Yeah, yeah, yeah. While they were gone, why is why didn't Ben Grimm come back? Yeah, and and, and, so, and
2: then you, over a year, you slowly read Secret Wars. But I think that was the best way to do it. You get all the payoff of this giant company wide crossover and all this like you know change to the status quo, and then you just let the story Secret Wars be its own thing. And I thought that was just masterful storytelling. That's what I eight, Yeah.
1: When I entered, <laughs> when I as I said before, when I entered. Uh, sort of reading comics in the late '80s with Spider-Man's black costume and everything, I I hadn't read Secret War. I didn't know how that all happened, but that was part of what made it so cool to me. It was like this backstory, like, and I had to go back and find those issues and figure out how this all came to pass. And that's when comics, I think, can be really fun. Is that, and and that's why the MCU, I think, works because you can enter at any point. And there's still this. And watch a film. For the most part, most of these films can be watched independently. May, maybe not Endgame. <laughs> you kind of need. Yeah. But space. like Ragnarok, but, you can
2: watch Ragnarok yeah. and have a blast, and you don't and need to know ship. If you but, didn't but, stay, if you it,
0: didn't stay but, till the end, for example, and you didn't see uh, Ant Man getting stuck in the in the in the in the, the tiny verse. You know, you right. you'd still know it'd still be fine. You, you'd yeah. still catch up by watching yeah. Endgame. You'd know that he was yeah. These somewhere are not, else. these are not complicated
2: movies. But <laughs> uh,
0: yeah. but it but it enhances it if you do stay to the end and you do watch yeah. the end credit sequence and it, you right. do get that extra little bit of information.
1: Absolutely,
2: uh, the the juice is worth the squeeze, as yeah, they say.
1: Yeah. Say so, uh, even for me, watching uh, some of the the television content, like uh, I still watch Agents of Shield, which I think actually has gotten better as of late. Uh, but. It, i the only my only gripe about it is that it's all currently pre-snap like they're not even embracing the oh the yeah, whole- yeah yeah the the whole events of uh, the. events because Kevin of, Feige uh, hates Marvel Television. For, <laughs>
2: yes.
0: for for once, I'm caught up on Agents of Shield, so I, yeah. I, I I'm I, I caught up over the last couple weeks.
1: But are you enjoying it? I'm enjoying.
2: I, the I like the season. Right yeah, yeah 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 yeah. I've been watching think, Legion, but that's obviously in its uh, own little universe. It's not even tied right. into the X yeah. movies.
0: Yeah. Oh, I'm gonna I'm I'm putting I'm putting it off the new season because I got so first con- episode confused of, by last season. First
2: episode of season three was directed by um who did uh Up and uh, Finding Nemo? What's that guy's name again? Um, um, Stanton? yeah, no, okay. yeah and understand directed the first episode of season three it was fucking unbelievably cool i was like god damn this is fucking tv like this feels like a feature film yeah just just it, it's worth watching to see that standalone episode it'll blow you it'll blow About your mind halfway
0: through season two i'm like i don't even understand what's going oh, on it's here. A weird show, all but, this yeah. stuff with jermaine clement and 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 uh, uh um What's his name? The guy who has the woman that lives inside of him. The, uh, oh,
2: uh, Carrie and Carrie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: I love that actor, though. He's yeah, one of my yeah, favorite he's actors. Yeah,
2: yeah. He, he's, he's phenomenal. He bumped into Marcus Penn recently. All right, well, next big question. Trailer's too far from him. Obviously, teased the multiverse. We talked about it a bit. Fans went berserk. Are you disappointed that this was a pump fake? But if so, if the multiverse... Because th- I feel like this was a great way to test audience interest mm-hmm. in the multiverse... If it is introduced in the future in live action, which character or stories would you first like to see incorporated, Mr. Oh uh,
0: Wait, are we including the time travel in Endgame, or because that hinted that the mult and and Shield did the same thing, that telling us that time travel doesn't work the way that we thought it worked? But we
2: haven't seen like a multiverse story yet, where it's like this is you know oh, yeah, Earth yeah. five. 30 or whatever yeah. or like you yeah. know like we haven't seen like an, an what's alternate. weird
0: is quentin got mysterio got the number right he said yeah, yeah, yeah. It, see, Earth yeah. 616 yeah, and yeah. i'm like well how does he know that how does he know that's the number
2: yeah well he's been, been what well, he's been reading the forums yeah <laughs> <laughs> so if a, if, a multi, if a multiverse storyline is incorporated yeah, multiverse what limited line. series or what's or what character what, what would you like to see because for me I, the big one obviously would be jonathan hickman's secret wars which was bananas but you'd have to do a lot of you'd have to lay the Laid the groundwork for a long time, yeah. But I always go back to Squadron Supreme because with Squadron Supreme, you basically get all the archetypes of the Justice League, yeah. But you get them in the, you get your Batman, you get your Superman, you get your Wonder Woman, and you could do them a Squadron Sinister, you could do them as the evil version. But you would get, you'd get your Avengers versus Justice League movie finally having the Squadron. Supreme I was
0: never a fan of Squadron Supreme. <sighs> It just always seemed like I didn't, I wasn't in on the joke. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like it was a book that's too cool for school, and I, I didn't, I, I didn't initially pick up on the Justice League archetype thing. Gotcha. So they just seemed like a bunch of weird characters, <laughs> and I'm like, you know, and then one I'm like, oh, Nighthawk, Batman, oh yeah, yeah it's right there, yeah. and I didn't, I didn't, I didn't notice it. Uh, so I don't know, but, but. It's a good question. Like, of all the Marvel realities and all the Marvel... Can I think about it for
1: you two can, minutes? Yeah, Go they, on to Adam. Let me Adam, think about it for two do minutes. Do you have any
2: multiverse storylines and or well, characters that get your, your your nerd boner rock hard?
1: multiverse? <laughs> you're referring to Marvel properties yeah yeah exactly stuff that's that's within reach like not having like young blood come over from the image no no no. they've
2: they've got their own (laughs) multiverse that they gotta they gotta figure out (laughs)
1: right that's yeah i mean uh, the obvious choice would be somehow incorporate the the fantastic four or x-men obvious you know i think that's the next
2: incorporate the continuity of fox because my understanding is that they're gonna try to just reboot everything
1: I mean, the, what they could they could do, and, and I don't know if this would work. I don't know if I re, I would even want it to, to happen, because but I do love some of the casting choices that they've had in, in uh, you know, especially with like X Men First Class. I thought that yeah, was yeah, like a, terrific,
2: a killer fucking Magneto. Yeah, He's I awesome. Mean,
1: it's like such a and, and and many of the supporting characters too are terrific actors. Uh, that's the one thing I think they really got right with sort of the reboot. But uh, I I just think there there could be a A way to say that oh mutants existed on this earth right and now some event causes mutants to spill over into our earth now and maybe it's the same mutants or maybe they're recast i don't know but there there's you know i i certainly would want them to recast the the fantastic four i mean that's a no-brainer there's no way that any of the current that's the only positive
2: of Dark Phoenix It kind of makes Fantastic Four seem a little less horrible. But <laughs> right. and a lot, I think Simon Kinberg, I think, directed a lot of the reshoots on that as well. So if you, if you want to bash Simon Kinberg, and I take every opportunity that I can to bash Simon Kinberg, <laughs> Fantastic Four is definitely part of his, his troubled history as a yeah. writer, producer, and aspiring director. Although we'll say this, when Dark Phoenix flopped, he manned up and said, you know what? It's on me. He I, did do I, that, I misread yeah. the audience. I misread the story. I misread. It. Like, he he totally owned it. A lot of filmmakers say, "Oh, it's because our audience they're like they're man babies, or our audience is racist, or our audience didn't get it." Like they'll blame the the audience. Simon Cameron's like, you know what? Blame me. I wrote it. I directed it. I fucked it up, and I'm sorry. I was like, "All right, you at least you have my uh, my respect as a human being, even if I you lack my respect as a filmmaker." So I, I will give credit yeah. where credit is due.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. I I read that. I, I he he sort of he says something to the effect of, uh, you know, as a director, you know, the kind of the, you know the buck stops here with me. You know, I ultimately I'm the decider. I'm the I'm the one that's putting the uh, the cut that you saw on screen. So if, if it doesn't work, doesn't work. It's my fault. You know, I think that's a a very admirable thing to do. 100%. Even if his he even if creatively. He's lacking. <laughs> I think he's a producer.
2: He's a producer yeah. who yeah. aspires to be a filmmaker, and there've been pl- Like David Ostelsnik was famous for directing over people's shoulders and driving his directors crazy, and they would quit the movies. And he- but David Ostelsnik was a great producer, not a director. Not, not everybody gets and to be a filmmaker. I'm sorry. It's so
1: common with all the executives at the studios too to be for those executives to, to want to be filmmakers, yeah. but they're executives. You know, they know money, they know numbers, they know the industry, they know how to make things. You know how to get deals made, but they're not necessarily creative people, and that yet their notes often get infused in these films, and in many cases uh, to their detriment. So, uh, with the Fantastic Four is a great example. You know the <laughs> the new one, the uh, the one uh, that uh, was most recently released. I'll,
2: I love the fan. Hopes that Emily Blunt and John Krasinski will be Sue and Reed. I think that would be pitch perfect. Bring them <laughs> yeah. in. They're already a husband-wife filmmaking team. I thought the a Quiet Place was scary as shit. I would love to see yeah. them keep working. Let John Krasinski fucking direct it. I don't care. But yeah, totally. but yeah. I mean, and, but, but Multiverse. uh and, yeah, any, any characters yeah. you're dying to see? Um. So just you just basically you want. I mean, but I think X Men and Fantastic Four. They are. It's a foregone conclusion. So you can throw a wider net if you wish.
1: Yeah. I mean, I guess. I guess. I. I I'm feeling like that. It, I'm I'm feeling like a lot of the, the the Marvel characters who were unfortunately sold off to other studios. It, that's the biggest problem we've had. You know, I, I would really like to see all of those characters brought into the fold. Any, any, and all characters that Marvel no longer. Yeah, I want to see ha-
2: Submariner go up against the Fantastic Four prior <laughs> to redeeming himself and joining the Avengers. I, I want the full Submariner arc, and I want him to wear the weenie little green, little, little green weeny bikini. I want him to <laughs> just own it. I'm a naked man. And a g-string with wings on my feet, <laughs> and I think that yeah. would just be fucking hysterical.
1: <laughs> Who do we have left? Who's now that Marvel? Is, Silver Surfer, I mean, okay. you got to bring
2: him back. I mean, with with Fantastic Four comes Silver Surfer and Galactus yeah. and Submariner yeah. and like great villains like Annihilus and I mean, there's so much rich brilliant extraordinary history or terex the terrible or terex the tamer whatever you want to call them like they're just that whole john byrne era is like a 10 movie saga if you want to do it Uh, or the jonathan hickman fantasy four and ff era was equally brilliant before jonathan hickman ripped the world apart with secret wars he had probably the best uh fantastic four run ever apart from like stanley john byrne and jonathan hickman those are like the big three when it comes to ff but there's so much great shit that they could uh, they could take advantage of.
1: A question for you, James. Are there any – now that Marvel and Fox are one, are there any properties – obviously Paramount for a while had uh, – or Universal had Hulk for a while. Yeah. Are there any properties, Marvel properties, still outstanding Spidey. at other studios? Spidey. Well, aside <laughs> from Spidey. And, and I think, what, there's like 750 – Characters along with Spider-Man. Is that, some, is that right? Yeah, the, that the, are, I that it
2: makes sense. I mean, think about all the yeah. fucking villains that have been showing up for yeah. 56 years at this point. I mean, that's a lot of right. villains. Uh, yeah. Beetle. But, is anyone screaming for a Beetle movie? <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> so
1: that's it, right? So pretty much, otherwise... Everybody Marvel else is has, back. Yeah, they got them all back. Yeah. Everybody yeah. into the fold. Yeah, God, like God help me, Spike, I watched the
0: Inhumans TV show. And in. that was, Ooh,
2: no, I saw the first episode in the theater. Inhumans? And it was one of the worst things I've ever seen in my life. And it just oh, it blows my mind Yeah, because it's it's one of those great stages. Stanley, Jack Kirby creations that has limitless potential on the screen, and it's like y'all shot your wad on this pile of dog shit. How dare <laughs> that you! That was
1: such a miscalculation. Like it's it's the one. Truly bad Marvel adapt, you know, MCU adaptation in my opinion. it's unwatchable. Didn't work. Yeah. Laughably yeah.
2: stupid. And when you go back to those appearances by the Inhumans in the mid sixties, or even when they appear like in the Kree scroll of War, as drawn by Neil Adams, it's like, God yeah. damn like Triton, he's a nothing character, but drawn by Neil Adams, Triton's the shit. Like bring on Triton. Yeah. Right? He's fucking yeah. awesome. They were
0: like just almost as inaccessible to me as the Squadron Supreme. Like I didn't just understand two-aired. what they were all about. What about I mean one they, of
2: my earliest Fantastic Four comics I read was in Black Bolt yanked Attilan out of the Himalayan mountains yeah. and took it to the fucking moon. Did you say Attilan or Adelan? I think it's Adelan. But, yeah. but as okay. a kid, I called it Attilan. But I think it's the correct pronunciation is Adelan. But just as a little kid, seeing Black Bolt re- take his refuge and plant it on the moon, I was like... Alright, like that's the coolest thing I will ever read in yeah, my life. Yeah. Like that's fucking awesome. So I, I want I want all of that.
0: That so. and Terex lifting Manhattan up. Oh, uh, god. That yeah. was what that was just when I started right reading. That's
2: like the best Fantastic Four, like three issue arc yeah. of all time. It's just when you have Agreed. fucking Daredevil and Spider Man watching yeah. as the Avengers and the FF and Doctor Strange take on Galactus in Manhattan. Nerd yeah. boner. <laughs> <laughs> all the way. It was it was so goddamn good.
1: I'll tell you what what I would really love to see is uh, Charlie Cox's Daredevil and Spider-Man together—that would be pretty badass, I think. If yeah. they had a way to, to, uh, to make a movie, like make another Spider-Man movie, even have the Daredevil from the Daredevil series, uh, somehow incorporated. If you do I a think- variation
0: of Secret Wars two, and you make a new planet, and you bring in the Avengers world as part of the planet, and the FF world as part of that planet, and the X-Men yeah. world as part of that planet. Well, that would be and- Secret
2: Wars one, because Secret Wars two, the Beyonder came to Earth and got it had his Jerry Oh no, no 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 I mean suit. the the
0: the secret wars that came out 4 5 years ago Oh the we, Jonathan we, Hickman one yeah yeah, yeah, yeah where they yeah. took a little piece of each different well, reality and Well that was, Do- well, each that was Dr world.
2: Doom basically picking and choosing all the ingredients he wanted to keep and right. Dr Doom rebuilt reality as he saw fit well, that would
0: be one way to represent yeah. the multiverse
2: Yeah I mean, once again, for people who like multiverse storylines, because that, that was, what was brilliant about that was that it allowed like some ultimate characters like Miles Morales to step into the 616. Right. And I just... I mean, Jonathan Hickman, man, since he left Marvel, Marvel's been a, bore, a more boring, poorer environment. He just for like 10 years there was the heart and soul, the spine of the entire Marvel comic universe, and I really miss his uh, his presence there. He did so much great stuff.
0: So now they haven't said anything really about what happens in the MCU movies after... This well, Spider-Man movie.
2: Disney's going to Comic-Con, so that, this will be my, my my last big question for both y'all. Disney's going to Comic-Con, and obviously they'll be there for D twenty-three in August, where Kevin Feige is going to presumably map out the next few years for the MCU. And we know about that they're shooting a Black Widow spin-off. They're shooting. They're going to do Shang Chi and the Eternals, yeah. Doctor Strange two, Black Panther two. But has Marvel and P- all the
1: Disney Plus shows exactly? Like. Captain, yeah.
2: we got Falcon and Winter Soldier as well as uh, Wanda and the Vision has Marvel
1: Hawkeye Hawkeye yeah yeah, Hawkeye absolutely
0: what's Hawkeye getting
2: he's just getting his own
1: little limited series I think it's going to be like like a six episode on the Disney plus yeah like five five or six episodes yeah
2: has the MCU peaked or is the best yet to come and make some predictions but on your soothsayer hat what surprise big announcements will come in either comic-con or D23 Cause like when there, a couple of years ago, Kevin Feige did this big presentation where he did a pump fake and said so the next Captain America movie was going to be Captain America versus the Serpent Society. And I was like, oh, that's that could be kind of cool. Yeah. And at the end, he's like, oh, quick correction: the next Captain America movie is Civil War. And I was like, oh my god! People lose their shit. And they all, it was it was a brilliant bit of showmanship on his part to tease one thing and then to do the, the big reveal at the end. Yeah. Will Kevin Feige draw back the curtain and blow everybody's mind with something huge coming down the pike? You know, in a couple of weeks' time,
1: I, uh, I, I have a prediction. I have a prediction. I, I predict that they are test that Disney Plus is the future for Disney's entertainment, and that if the if they get off, you know, if these initial offerings are successful, and I think they're launching November twelfth, yep. I think is. And at four ninety five a month, and it's going to Ma- have the Mandalorian, and they're sort of uh, undercutting Netflix and everyone else by a, tr- uh, a lot in terms of pricing. I think that the future of the MCU could be in premium television, and that will still get films, but that they'll be able to tell much richer, deeper, interconnected stories through these extremely like cinematic. You know shows that are shot on budgets similar to the movies, with same yeah. level of visual effects and tasks. Do hundred
2: million dollar shows but it's like it's four just, or five episodes long?
1: Exactly, where you can tell much deeper, richer stories with, and, and have guest appearances by huge name actors, and really do uh, take this whole MCU concept, this interconnected universe concept, uh, into uh, just sort of a new era in a way, and. I guess it, it, a lot will depend on how successful the initial offering is. If it's if it's a huge hit, they'll just dump tons of money into it. You know, if if and they'll put they'll they could make these things so much more lucrative. I mean, if you look at some of the, the most successful streaming shows and movies on Netflix, they're getting so much more so many more views. Than theatrical releases now, and in mind share, in many cases, is so much more important than market share or box office. So, if they can get millions upon millions of subscribers to buy in and just keep watching these ongoing adventures of these heroes, that that's all that really matters. You know, is that you're getting the 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 eyeballs. Yeah, if you have 150
2: million paying subscribers who are there just for Marvel content,
1: right? Exactly, that's huge. So that's my that's my prediction. Yeah, is if that you have 150,
2: gonna... say you have 150 million people paying 10 bucks a month. I mean, yeah. No, the 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 sky is the limit, and it would feel more like Marvel Comics, where you have these ongoing serialized adventures right. as opposed to two or three movies a year. So, uh, and it means I wouldn't have to have a heart attack telling people to turn their phones off anymore. So, I, <laughs> I would be all in.
1: And they could probably take more chances as well because it's much cheaper. I mean, they can keep production values the same as the films, but it's much cheaper to market and release on a streaming service than it is theatrical. Uh, you don't have to deal with nearly as much in the terms of, uh, you know, you're not cutting in the theater, the theatrical venues, on the ticket sales. You're not dealing with the same level of marketing campaigns and press campaigns. It it really becomes and you can have a little uh,
2: spin-off things. You have like Marvel Nights, where you could do like cool oh, Marvel, or, or start doing things like Werewolf by Night or Moon Knight. The lot uh, when I got Night on the brain, but, but you could, yeah, you could spin off the some darker, more more interesting kind of like supernatural and horror stuff. It could still be Marvel, yeah. but it doesn't have to be tied into all the Avengers stuff. Like, you know, the sky's the limit in terms of as long as they get the right writers and all these totally, writers. Yeah. Who are out of work now because comics are contracting, put them to work writing TV shows. Like Ed Brubaker, right. he was one of the writers on uh, Too Old to Die Young. Ed Brubaker, who introduced Winter Soldier and wrote like Criminal and Fem- uh, Fatal and all these brilliant comics, he's writing with like Nicholas Winding Reffin now. So I, I think I, I would love to see more comic book writers making that jump to working with great filmmakers.
1: And writing episodic television is much more like writing comic books Absolutely. than writing feature films. Because you have to tell a self... Contain story Look in at Neil Gaiman. He
2: just had the Good Omens on Amazon, and they're now they're talking yeah. about doing um, all of his uh, Sandman stuff for Netflix. Like, I right. just think it's a no-brainer to, for the whole industry to transition. Over. I would, I will miss the hand-drawn illustrations. I will miss the gorgeous art. But a lot of those artists just aren't even around anymore. Like, how many artists are there right now working at Marvel that you actually like?
1: Yeah, I mean, they're all fully. I'm added, you, you know, John. You
2: buy more Marvel comics than both of us. Like. <laughs> Uh, I, well, how many how I many how many Esad
1: Ribic's are there left at Marvel? Yeah, I don't know. I still I love mean, I still love Arthur Adams. I love his covers on you know uh, all the. Uh War of the Realms I'm a fan of his oh, he's great we, we met him at New York Comic Con that's right yeah. yeah we did we got we bought his little sketchbooks yeah
2: no, because he, exactly. he in the 80s was doing some of the most kick ass X-Men shit around I absolutely totally. love and adore Arthur, Ab- Arthur Adams but I've got a, a very short list of artists at Marvel that will still keep me buying Marvel Comics so it's one of the things where I miss seeing that great dynamic art but I,
0: I'm behind oh. I still have to watch the Daredevil and the Punisher shows that's how far behind well, I am well it's have. one
2: of the things where those are they've been cancelled and yeah. I have a feeling Marvel's going to let all those characters they're going to leave them alone for years yeah. before they kind of reincorporate them. So I have a feeling that all that street level vigilante stuff, which was cool, like some of them were cool, some of them sucked. But um, yeah, sadly, <laughs> this. Like,
1: I was a fan. I enjoyed them. I, for me, they were great late night entertainment. I just ate them up, you know. Uh, I haven't watched the final season of, of Jessica Jones yet, which just dropped, I think, a week. A couple weeks ago, yeah. A couple weeks ago. Uh, but I've heard people say it's one of the best versions uh one best seasons for 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 that character so i don't know if 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 that's true or not but i'll have to judge for myself but you know for me it's still fun to see these characters you know on the screen and even if even if i know that the future is there that there is no future or very likely you know won't be any further adventures with these actors um I'm still holding out hope. I thought I I still love the Darede- the three seasons of Daredevil. I thought
2: they And did John is a great Punisher. Season 2 yeah. of Daredevil I think was the peak. We had Daredevil w- and Punisher and Elektra all in the same season. And, like the scenes in jail with Punisher just murdering the fucking shit oh, out of yeah. people. Season was, 2 of
1: Daredevil was like this is so
2: fucking awesome. And then yeah. when I saw Defenders I was like this sucks. And Defenders then like Defenders
1: was a letdown. Yeah. I agree. Uh, but I did I did like the the standalone Punisher Seasons that it took what it what they did over two seasons was build him up to the very final shot of the last Punisher episode. You see Punisher with his skull and his guns firing at these guys in a warehouse, and you're like, now he's about to become the Punisher yeah, of the, from comic the comics, books. Yeah. With yeah. The, yeah, with the with the little like, white
2: boots. People always forget about his little white boots he yeah. wore in the '70s, and it <laughs> they, they, they match the skull emblem on his chest. Yeah, John knows the. the little yeah, white I know boots. what you're talking about. Yeah, but it's, it's, no, like,
0: it's 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 we're always so, going to have the Punisher movies. Love them or hate them, they exist. So it's, it's you got it's Dolph
2: Lundgren All right, well, of, of the three Punisher franchises because there've been three separate Punisher franchises and movies, which is the Dolph,
0: uh, I didn't see I I don't know if I saw the Dolph Lundgren.
2: There's Dolph Lundgren, what? the Thomas Jane, there's Tom Jane, and, and then there's the, the, there the, the uh, um, one directed by Lexi Alexander, Windstone. Yeah, exactly. And okay, I, whoever the hell it was. In Anyway, there've been three yeah. attempts at a Punisher no. franchise in film.
0: Yeah. No, I like the Thomas Jane one. I remember that one. He's good. He, he I thought he was a good actor. I like,
2: I like the Winstone one too. I like Thomas Jane more than the movie. I thought Thomas Jane was nailing it. I thought the movie was kind yeah. of a, a nothing burger. There's yeah. a,
1: there is a. I think the problem was, was it was too, it was too PG thirteen. If you do, if you can watch the uncut version of the Punisher that was only ever released on DVD, I believe, um, it, it definitely, it's much more violent and takes and there's a lot more footage. Same thing with the, Dare, the the Ben Affleck Daredevil, there's a director's cut that's over 30 minutes longer that it improves it tremendously. It's still not a good film, but it definitely makes it a better film than what it was. So they you know, they were figuring out how to make superhero movies back then. They still hadn't quite
2: Simon you know, Kendrick still
0: figuring it out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, but that was they they hadn't cracked the code yet.
1: Yeah, exactly yeah they hadn't figured they, they got some things right like with casting and, and certain action. like the scene where uh with the big russian dude in his apartment i think is fantastic you know in punisher with thomas jane that's a great action sequence where he's you know keeps trying to knock this guy out and he just like Nothing phases in Yeah, him. that first
2: decade of the two thousands, there were so many misfires, and that was kind of it was a fun era because you would get great ones and you'd get awful ones, like Catwoman, and you kind of never quite knew what you're going to get. And in the post MCU world, at least you know Marvel's always going to have a certain level of quality. I kind of yeah. missed that first decade where you'd get something awful like Fantastic Four, the Tim Story one, or what, yeah, Tim, right. was it Tim Miller? Or Tim Story. Tim. Tim Story. Tim Story. Yeah, yeah. that was. Unwatchable, but then you'd get something killer like X Men Two, where I was like, "God damn, that's a pretty goddamn good fucking X Men movie." So right. yeah, it, it was and kind Spider- of fun Man watching 2, it and fig- yeah. figuring it out.
1: Yeah, they got the set. The second movies for a while were really better. Like you got were the be- better than the originals, which is very uncommon. You had like Dark X-Men, Knight was better than Batman Begins. Dark- Star- yeah. X Two, uh, um, you know, and obviously movies is debatable with some of them, but I just think that there was a, that was again it had to do with them trying to figure it out. The first movie was kind of a a testing ground. Yeah. They and have to spend so
0: much the- of the first movie introducing every character right. and the getting origin- them together and
1: yeah. getting the origin story down. And then once they then they could really have fun. It's like then they could they were free to to play with, you know, have the characters play in the playground and really have fun with the with the the villains and the stories.
2: I've always been a big believer, though. You can just skip the origin story. You can just tell a story, and in a two minute scene, you have like a flashback to when they got their powers or whatever. But like yeah. when Tom Holland showed up in Captain America: Civil War. We just he's Spider-Man. He just yeah. showed up and we were off to the races and we didn't need yet another origin story. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's proof that if this if the character is awesome and the story is well told, you don't need the formulaic origin story with the one generic stereotypical villain, etc. But it is 11:15 and it's a school night for both of you guys. So I didn't want to <laughs> take advantage of y'all's patience and your time, but any final thoughts on Far From Home MCU? Comics that are awesome, et cetera, Just you know, any topic under somebody. I just want to give uh, John, since you uh, haven't been on the show for a while, the floor is yours. Any final thoughts, impressions, insights, takeaways? Go to it, or we can just talk about Bill Plumpton. <laughs>
1: <laughs> 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 uh, I don't want to get. get in, I don't want to no. get
0: in trouble. Uh, <laughs> Never
1: Has he ever listened to a podcast? <laughs> no,
0: no, I, I, I probably not. I, I don't think he does
1: you know what a podcast is. I I
0: think he knows what a podcast is. It's tough. It's it's tough to say sometimes with him and tech. Um,
2: <laughs> like no when, no, when no Someone left him instructions for closing down windows on a computer, and uh, he got uh, he went over to uh, uh, a uh, physical uh, window and started messing with it. He's no, like no
0: no no. First of all, they <laughs> said he had to open up a new window. Okay. <laughs> <But>
2: that, <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that poor girl was like. What,
0: uh,
1: what are you doing over
2: at the
0: windows? That, that's, like, I'm following his instructions. That story is a little bit unconfirmed.
1: You have to put that file in the trash, and so he puts the whole computer in the trash can. <laughs> exactly. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, uh, what about uh, people want to hear the soothing sounds of your melodious singing voice? And John does have an epic singing voice. Where can people hear some samples? <laughs>
0: um, you know, there's, there, there, there may be an announcement soon about your your first solo album uh, oh yes yes no No, but i've done i've done voice work for bill and i've sung in a couple of bill's films and they may or may not be streaming soon by some method that i can't talk about Ah, i got you i
2: I think i know a thing or two about that um any thoughts on mandalorian as a big giant star wars i haven't even i haven't even looked into it but
0: people can i'm i'm Oh, 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 I am working on, and you know I have a blog, and you know what the point of my blog is. I link movies whenever possible so that each movie ideally shares an actor with the movie before it and the movie actor it, after it. And it's in, like
2: back to bacon, but extended over many, many years. Right,
0: <laughs> but I've never had a perfect year before. I've never started a movie in January 1st and connected it all the way to the 300 movies that I watched this year. I am right now, in year 11 of the project, working on a perfect year. Interesting. I've, I've watched 180 movies, a little over 180, and, there's, and this includes documentaries, and by the some way. Some
2: tissue connecting all of them.
0: There's always a person, even if it's in archive footage in a documentary, there's always an actor who appears in today's movie that will also be in tomorrow's movie.
2: Well, we might have to and, get drunk one day and do a Back to Bacon podcast. And people don't know what I, Back to Bacon is. You would basically try to connect an actor with the right. same way you're talking about with your movies. Right. Back to Kevin Bacon. Right. And it was a fun it was like it was before we had like the, the, the internet on our phones. It was like a fun driving game in the 90s playing Back to Bacon. I have a path now. We call
1: it we call it 6 degrees of Kevin Bacon. 6 degrees of Kevin Bacon. Yeah. yeah it's like
0: that. But so I from the first movie that I watched on January 1st this year, to now there's a continuous chain and i have a plan that will get me to christmas that'll get you to star wars that'll start that'll be there will be four movies after star wars thoughts
2: on star wars uh, um, episode 9
0: i'm i'm maintaining as much radio silence as possible if the if the if there's a new trailer i don't want to see it if there's a new rumor i don't want to know it i just want to walk in in december as cold as possible all right Fair enough,
2: Mr. Rakoff. Oh, and also, but I guess a uh, Twitter handle. Where, where can we oh, find oh, you?
0: Oh, uh Twitter. I'm at honky275. Gotcha. And the, <laughs> <but> you, <laughs> Sorry. and the blog is honky's movie year blogspot dot blogspot dot com. Gotcha.
2: All right. Well, Mr. Rakoff, where can people find you online if they want to talk about John's singing voice, Spider Man, the future of MCU, <laughs> Disney Plus, any of the subjects we have covered.
1: Uh, I'm on Twitter, at Adam Rakoff. That's my only social media presence. I would love to chat further on any of these topics. I'm really uh, really interested in the whole future of the streaming uh, landscape, and so it's something that I'm constantly reading about and, and you know researching and um, very excited. I, one interesting tidbit is that uh, it looks like NBC... It's so desperate to get back its content that it's going to be paying over $500 million to, get, to buy The Office back from Netflix. Well, there are so a lot of people it, who
2: just have a Netflix subscription to watch yeah, The Office on of a repeat.
1: Right. Isn't that – but it's amazing. And so this is going to be a really – when and, and AT&T and Time Warner are going to be getting friends That'd be back. like
2: Disney paying like $3 billion to Sony to get Spider-Man back. Like, you know, yeah, we'll just give exactly. you this money for free it's just so just, we can control the character again.
1: Right. It's like when they bought Pixar for $6 billion. Just – Drop the cash and you will make it back over a decade. Yeah, <laughs> You know? Um, yeah, so it, it's going to be a really interesting uh, fall with all these new, well, you know, holiday season, I should say, to see where all the streaming... Yeah, WarnerMedia, Disney+,
2: yeah. Plus, like, what is the breaking point? How many streaming platforms do people want to have? Also, what happens to theatrical? Like, Disney's having a year that might be, it's going to be about $8 billion a year, possibly $9 billion yeah. a year. If Disney wasn't having a great year, what is a slow year in terms of box office would be dramatically lower and it's kind of disney's almost kind of buoying the entire domestic international market i mean domestic market right now if right. disney's are shifting more and more to the streaming model that theatrical business business will crumble well not crumble, it'll contract dramatically yes. and i've had yeah. such a bad experience in movies recently with the the attendees here in new york that uh I personally would tap dance on the grave of the theatrical model. I wouldn't miss it. So it'll be interesting to see how that that model affects theatrical moving forward.
1: Well, and I, I've said it before. You know, with a, a young child, it's it's harder for me to get out to the movies. And uh, if if I could have paid a premium price to watch. Far from home in 4K and my 4K TV, I would have done it. I would, I would have, have paid 100 bucks totally to see it at home.
2: It. Yeah. yeah, see Far from Home, close to home. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Perfect. If I could pay 100 bucks to skip the theatrical yeah. and the aggravation and just watch it instantaneously, I, I would do it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I pop on my surround sound headphones and I feel more immersed than I would in a theater. So it's uh, I'm totally all for. I don't want theaters to die. I want them to exist or coexist. I want but some I of the attendees
2: in those theaters to die. And <laughs> <Well, laughs> they're on their phones yeah. looking at Instagram when I'm
1: trying to watch a movie. <laughs> but that's where a good movie, I think, like I said, I did not see anyone on their phone in a very diverse uh, audience, of, you know young and old, uh, at Far From Home, which I think is a testament to the quality of, of the characters and the story and, and the, the, the action that they were, they had that what Roger Ebert called out of body experience—they just were totally in the moment, watching that movie. I had a similar thing with *Midsummer* a couple are, of
2: days ago. You know, everybody turned their yeah. phones off. They were just into the movie, and I was like, "All right, that's cool. We we're watching a kick-ass horror movie together, and everybody's just enjoying the movie." And there were people near me. I was like, "God damn it, those people are going to be on there for the whole time." I thought they were, but people just got yeah. swept away. So when you,
1: but that—it might be about the quality of the yeah, film. one that's out of ten movies at, in New York, you
2: know? I get that experience.
1: Yeah the better the movie, I think the better chance you have of having that type of experience. Like I'm hopeful that once upon a time in Hollywood will be that type of cinematic experience. Um, Sometimes people are
2: just dumb and even if the movie's amazing, yeah, right. they can't enjoy it and they just have That's short true. attention spans and they want to get on their phones. And on that very positive, cynical <laughs> note, I'm going to start drawing things so close, but if you want to talk to me on Twitter about all about killing movie attendees, etc., you can find me at Twitter uh, on, t- on Twitter at Colbrex. And if you want to hear some movie reviews, check out my YouTube channel, uh, Geeking with James Hancock. I'm at uh, 15,600 subscribers, so definitely trying to make a hard push to 20,000, but I'm very, very excited on that front. Please remember to uh, subscribe to To the podcast Wrong Reel leave us a rating review all that good stuff but I can't think of anything else to say so more importantly as always Onwards and Upwards
0: ain't like it used to be but
1: uh, it'll do you know how to whistle don't
2: you Steve
0: you just put your lips together and blow